Blog Talk Radio. Scientific breakthroughs, unveilings, spiritual revelations, the openings. That's fine. Mm. Hijacking the mind. What? Aluminum bonds with intelligence. Rewind the message. Merry Christmas. Thirteen indigenous immigrants. State of the unison. Addressing nothing. Foundations can ruin. Level to level. Fuck the embezzlement. Tales from the crypt. Hitting blood rituals. Fifty scores flying over California. Vacation. Flying dragons. Swords and daggers. Lions and tigers. Gotta get my parents or parish tap into raw flesh. Vampire, vegetarian, I'm a malnutrition, chemically imbalanced, Ethiopian, in Helen Kush. Blue projects get pushed, mold with the bush. Standing on the middle line, no defining, swirling dervish. In between space and time, just a fix Tuesday, another news day. Northeast, west, southwest, not here to confuse the day, just a fuse the way. When we talk about X-Men, what are we talking about? You know, are we talking about people that used to be men? Are we talking about female men because they're X-Men, men with, with, with female chromosomes? What is the deal? When you talk about the word X-Men, the X represents the DNA. What's some of the motivation to really get into the devotion? The motivation for devotion, this means my family can talk about the motivation for devotion is to fulfill the purpose of the creation of humanity. Before we get into it, Qigong means to feel the breath. So it's how we uh, acknowledge our breath, which is basically the intelligence. We take it in and then absorb it into ourselves. Shakti is our set. So Kukulini Shiva is actually a form of our soul. So when they two meet, this emerge that takes place between the pituitary gland and the pineal gland. Get dormant abilities to get expressed based upon genes being read, RNA being synthesized, and the message from that RNA then allowing ribosomes to synthesize proteins. You have to look at the magic. You got to look at the energy. You got to look at the message. Okay? Study the science and get rid of the fiction. That's what it's all about. You will come to know that the being that you are worshiping is your true self. So, Sufi Master Baal Mahadeen went so far as to say, only Allah can worship Allah. Mm-hmm. Only Allah can worship Allah. So that aspect of our being that is worshiping is the raindrop that has the intention to return back to the ocean. 
for the mere fact that you are doing it, this is your purpose and your meaning. You just got to take the shit more serious. And what I'm trying to say is, is sometimes we hear, but we don't register. We don't process. So when I say you are the one that are fortunate enough to, to tap into this knowledge when the whole world is praying, the whole world is praying. Is it not written in your law that ye 
this way because... Okay, here it is. Yeah, yeah, still expect nothing. Three seconds old. Taking it back a little bit, a little reflection. A little nostalgia, you know. Y'all remember when we was younger? When it wasn't nothing like this right here. We ain't had no worries. No cares like that. The meal was always prepared for us the next day. We had to worry about clothes. We had to worry about shoes. Don't you remember? It was like last December. When I had a wish list. Mom and pops talking about you gotta move out and move on. You're growing, you're grown, you're going, you're gone. Some say from the womb to the tomb, delay on replays of thoughts that consume from a child's point of view. It's much more simple, no stress from renters do. Woke up early one Sunday morning, breakfast was made for you. Grandma will always cook, Papa will always hide candy to have us look. Sometimes I dream about being young again. First time meeting a friend, having a girl and holding a hand. Turn into a baby Now I'm raising three and gotta be a man
the Metal Magician here on another Tips and Tricks Tuesday. They had to get that stretch out, you know what I'm saying? And the first thing we do is the stretch, you know, right, you know, or stretch the mind. Like like I say, class, first thing we do, stretch the mind, get that meditation on. I'm not going to meditate today. I just got finished eating. Good meal, too. What was it? Uh, I have um, salad, of course. First meal of the day, you know, do that intermediate. Intermittent uh, fasting. Uh, what was it? I had a salad, spinach and arugula with some bell peppers, um, strawberries, blackberries, blueberries. Um, what else was on there? Some uh, cayenne pepper. Um, had some sea salt, Himalayan sea salt in there, with a dash of ginger, olive oil, vinegar. With the mother still attached, uh, what else? Um, oh, seaweed. It's called the seaweed surprise. That's what I like to call it because, like, the seaweed is on top. Well, the fruit's on top, and the seaweed is layered in between the salad and the fruit. So I eat the fruit first, then just chop the seaweed down into the salad, eat the seaweed last after the salad. And it has some queen wool and some mixed vegetables, and there's some carrots and uh, apples. With a, a little little bell pepper and squash that I cut up and stuff, all that, you know, fresh from protein, when in can, but it's all good. I give thanks. All right. First and foremost, like I said, give thanks to those who came before and those who come after. Um, give thanks to the First World Order family, everybody out there, Dr. Aline, Princess Kadira, um, Grand Sheik by email out there doing his thing. Um, peace and blessings on to all you guys. If you didn't know, about to have that um, the Melanated Conference, the Automo um, Equinox Conference will be coming up from the 23rd to the 25th. I threw that ad on there. You can check it out on YouTube, though, but if you didn't know, now you know, you know what I'm saying, but it's going to be from the 23rd to 25th. A lot of good stuff going to be going on. It's, it's going to be powerful. Got the brother Sufi coming through. Um, the brother KT, the arts degree, he's going to come through, break it down, things. Um, a few good speakers, good lecturers, whatnot, you know what I'm saying? He's going to be doing that. I'm going to be there teaching a little Tachi and she goes hands-on, you know, so you can come through and, and get a taste of that as well. Dr. Lee's going to be doing his thing, bringing that trauma Chronic uh, healing courses through, uh, of course, building on um, nationality and everything, and getting um, getting things together in that manner. So you know, come down to the land and um, and build. You know what I'm saying? All right. Um, today's topic is when I was a child. This is. This is the this founded on a question that one of the brothers had on YouTube. We can get some, you know, some ideas from a couple of brothers and sisters on there. Get thanks for how the intelligence moves. The brother, I think the brother's name is Bruce, uh, like water. Yeah, Bruce like water. You know, Bruce Lee, you know, be like water. You know, be like water. You know what I'm saying? You know, water is forever changing. Receptive, it, it changes within every vessel that is um, permitted to have access to. But all in all, be like water. So, uh, 
the brother mentioned something about uh, we should have you know speak on childishness or people you know how people are at childish. So I'm like okay, I'm gonna do it. He also well I'm gonna throw something together on that topic. But he also mentioned how in the conscious community a lot of controversial folks may speak on eating meat as being okay, but shunning um, smoking marijuana. Or, you know what I'm saying, and then taking that as a, I guess taking that as a bad vibe or something. So we're gonna talk about both aspects of it, good, bad, we're not somewhat, and we're gonna talk about that meat eating thing as well, a little something. Well, you know how I do, you know, the meta magician, Blackwater, the meta magician, or we're not. I'm going to go in all different directions. I'm trying not to be all over the place like that and talk about it. I'm going to keep it in four directions, you know what I'm saying, and, and then bridge it back to wherever. You know what I'm saying? I got notes. I've been writing. So first of all, before we get into it, I'm going to go ahead and let you know that, uh, you know, I'm not a professional scientist, physicist, or psychologist, doctor, and like that, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, just to break that ice and flush that, you know what I'm saying? So, like I said, getting the beat right now. I have to call him back though. So, um. Tonight's hand, like I said, is when I was a child. When I was a child, you know, I, you know, like a lot of us, um, I wanted to be be like Mike. You know what I'm saying? Wanted to wanted to jump from the free throw line and do all those things like uh, what I what I saw in front of me. I wanted to be a skater, you know what I'm saying? And of course, I wanted to be a millionaire. Who doesn't want a lot of money in their pocket and all that? As far as what we've talked and talked in our own perceptions, you know. So as I've grown, you know, I've, I've learned, I've learned a few different things, you know, as far as uh, who do I really want to be like, or who am I in the first place? You know what I'm saying? So when asking that question, when the universe finally finally uh, answers, you know, you get that a conclusion that may not be the one you're looking for, but all in all, it's the best conclusion to that perplexed question of who am I when we are born with the answer from the onset. So, the, um, you know, when I was a child, of course, that's a, a biblical passage, uh, the Holy Bible, the Hebrews, Bibelos, Son book, Son, you know, disciple book. As we go through different patterns of uh, of our of, in our walking and our journey, but the scripture goes with somewhat like uh, this from First Corinthians thirteen, um, well, that's chapter thirteen, verses ten to twelve. It says, "But when the perfect, but when what is perfect comes, the partial passes away." When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I set aside childish ways. Now we see but a dim reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. 
then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So, you know, basically saying when, I, when we were children, we, we act like children, we thought like children, we reason like children. When we would come in, we set, we set aside those childish ways as far as what children may do to discern of, you know, how they talk or how they react to certain things, you know, pouting and, you know, carrying on, you know, you know, being, you know, I want this, I want that. If they don't get it, they didn't get, they didn't get in their way. They might have a what we call a temper tantrum and whatnot. So, you know, but as we become, as we grow, you know, and that if we have a the ample amount as well as a, a good proficient amount, the right type of light or sunlight or and water being produced to the seed or the child, you know, the right information, and we grow properly. Then those childish ways diminish; they they, they uh, fade away, and that that mirror reflection we look at is now dim of what we used to be, you know. And we see the true us, the true self, you know. And and now we know in part. It says, "Now I know in part; then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known." You know what I'm saying? So what we knew in part as a child, we know fully as we grow. When we have an adequate amount as well as type of light and um, and water being introduced to the seed. Again, light is um, earth and or father energy, and water is move. That's the that's the mother energy. So move earth, the mother father mother father energies being um, produced and introduced into being producing the child basically by way of light, sunlight, and water, and that's the, the tree growing. So when we grow, when the child being seed, we grow into uh, what could be a perfect state, but only in the perfect of the mind, perfection in the mind. I'm going to read this, this entitled When I Was a Child. Um, the personality is formed by way of external interactions and interfaces or connections that are fused by way of sensory memory inputs. When focused on or triggered, certain memory inputs may entangle or elevate one's psychology into an outright catastrophic lifestyle or a humbling, serene reality. The personality complex is characterized by specific human preferences, what we like, dislike, and or our indifferences, a lack of interest or concern altogether. Man's true self is rooted in zero or no thing. It is the indigenous original being, the first cell, the dark source of the black dot, the primordial waters of the moon. This true self has no limitation or condition based on responses superimposed upon the personality complex via external emotional triggers. When the personality, or through sound, per meaning and final meaning sound, or emotions or energy in motion are in control and are the driver of the vehicle, then we have conditioned reflex patterns that are triggered by certain feelings, such as hate, anger, honesty, grief, worry, lust, patience, or even humility. All of these feelings are generally affixed to a external mechanism that sends information to the true self, the first self, that now mirrors itself out of darkness or thought into the holographic expression of light, that we call a physical body. In its forgetful state, not knowing that it is the original cell, Kael, spirit of God, personified from energy matter, 
which in essence cannot be destroyed or created or even patterned into an objective reality, it now believes that the holographic expression of their emotions or energy and motion and or feelings are an undoubted truth. The true self in its original state can be determined as chaos, the physical objective reality with order, the spiritual subjective reality. In the ancient comedic mystery system, this realm of thought is entitled Mahat, truth and balance. When one has attained the ability to respond and adapt to diverse situations that demand, then in turn, that individuated dual self has conquered the lower degrees of the personality, name, form, and ego, and can transform the energy matter, move, water, life, matter, earth, fire, light, energy, without attempting to create or destroy a permanency of an emotional state within the parameters of this energy and motion. While in disagreement with the true self state of no thing, the person or personality identifies itself with the wavering temporal fleeting physical reactions that come and go within the ebb and flow of life. When one hasn't embraced the perfected state within mind, then we believe our physical traits, such as one who is fearful or aggressive, or one who has love and affection for others to be the true essential essence that person through sound. As a child, our personalities are on average formed by the approximate age of seven. We have now at this very impressionable age become familiarized with certain conditioned responses that alters the true essence of our non-objective state of energy matter, that in ultimate reality cannot be manipulated by, by emotional conditioned stimulus, by emotionally conditioned stimulus. This stimulus may give us a sense of gratification from external input that is in truth non-existent, only an electric transference of the energy matter, mother, father, mover, life, and light. Cellular memories or muscle memories founded on misleading external information keeps one mentally, emotionally, and spiritually at the age of 14 or with an adolescent mindset with no means to grow or elevate into its true higher potentials of consciousness predominantly due to its arrival and fixation of physical awareness that stems from the initial participation of activity in what we call a hospital. And we all know that it is not hospitable. And then on up until our teenage years, when we are arrest, when our arrested, developed mind is now confounded or controlled by these physical emotions and reactions from the repetitive nature of the physical triggers that are, again, only electric interfaces of energy matter that are being altered or transformed and transferred into our first cellular membrane, memory and mind. All right. Good, thanks. So imagine, if you will, that we have the ability to alter and transform our personal as well as collective reality. The power of mind over matter is an archaic concept that decrees through thought, perception. We as conscious or unconscious co-creators have the unique ability to manifest our will or intent into a physical existence. This manifesting equation goes as follows. Check it out. Ideas form thoughts. Thoughts precipitate into words. These words are then altered into physical matter as a person, place, thing, or physical event. What may not be readily available to our own perception during the observation of manifestation is how powerful those thoughts can be. 
The idea being the point of actualization can initiate from internal or external sources dependent on the degree of awareness that the observing participant is associated with. So the idea is not the exteriorization of the physical desire. It is merely a portal or vehicle that requires fuel or energy to move forward into the spectrum of thought. So the more fuel or energy we give a particular idea, the more potential it will have as becoming an active physical reality by way of our perceptions and constant desire to fulfill that given idea. So as the idea transforms into thoughts, the thought can be fragmented or broken down into a cascade of thoughts, stemming from the root or point being the idea. The thoughts will vary within different angles of agreement and disagreement towards the factual and fictional alignments of the prescribed idea. Meaning we will continually tell ourselves this is a good idea or this is a bad idea in concern with how we feel about the given subject, which we desire to bring life and light to. In the conclusion or exactation, when light, when there is a, enough light or fuel has been amassed and encased around the before-mentioned thought and idea, it then transforms and personifies into the field of the observing participants' physical awareness as that person, place, thing, or physical event. All right, so with all that said, give thanks. Um, we as co-creators, as creators, whatever we want to, you know, we are pretty much uh, basically we're, we're forming our existence as we walk. Now, like the the topic or the title of this uh, blog or this this um, broadcast is when I was a child. So when I was a child, you know, our personality when we were children, our personality being formed. You know, we 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 are impressed by what we're seeing in our environment. You know, eighty percent, as we was mentioning last week, with the effectors and receptors. Receptors, that's the motherly energy. Receptor, you know. Water is receptive. The effector that's the fatherly energy that's affecting, that's the energy that's affecting the the, um, the actual growth or the actual stimulus that is going to be initiated into the cellular structure to give us an advancement or a regression in our walk. So when we're out here and, you know, we're taking in and absorbing the physical reality as what it is, and then we focus our, um, our mind on those different given uh, scenarios that are that we participate with, it can become, it can become uh, an elevating type of uh, avenue of, of travel or become, it can become half backwards. We can start moving backwards on the clock in place of moving forward. So it's like it is what it is, you know. I you know, I got a couple of stories, you know, I mean we can go you know, go through for instance, uh the other day I'm about eating at a restaurant. It is just a, you know, I'm still sitting in the lotus, by the way. I'm going to go ahead and get my legs out of that lotus. I took a, like I said, I just finished eating. I was getting my substance in, get some substance, some substance. But uh, 
let my cousin, he just got out of lockup. He, locked, he was in prison for eight years and stuff. Uh, went in when he was 20, 28, about to turn 28 now. So he went in when he was 19. Yeah, thanks for the brother, you know what I'm saying? So he, you know, he ain't tasting nothing like that, you know, as far as uh, the restaurant food or home food, home cooked food in a minute. So we went, he took me out to Golden Corral. And, you know, me, I'm getting the, the salad. You know, I, you know I, he asked me beforehand, what do you eat, you know, because he, he understands I'm a vegan, he, you know, he, he got that. So he's like, uh, what, what do you eat? So I was like, you know, it was, it was, let's go, go crying, let's go corral, you know. Of course, you know, since eight years been in. So uh, we go to go and corral, you know, look, mind you, he getting everything out of the sun. You know? So the first place he came to the table with, he had some sticky barbecue ribs and stuff and, uh, you know, some chicken and, and uh, steak, fried chicken, some steak, uh, barbecue and pork ribs, and I think a little little spoon of some greens. That was the first place. He went through three. Every one of them had some type of dessert on it, too, chocolate, strawberries and stuff like that. It was all good. You know, I ain't really preached to him on that, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah, for one, you know, I was trying to keep it, keep my lips tight when I'm eating. Try not to talk too much. There may be in between bites. But, um, you know, really meditate on food and pay attention, be mindful of every bite, you know. But so, anyway, some uh, elderly uh, ladies, goddesses, whatnot, walked in, get things, you know what I'm saying? They walked in, they sat behind us, you know. So uh, I couldn't see their face. My back was turned to them, but uh, uh, they sat down, and um, one of, they started talking, and then someone else that was already there, if one of the tables noticed them and recognized them, and she was like, oh, hey, how you doing, sister? She said, she looked at me and said, oh, yeah, you know me. Yeah, I'm Sister Teresa from Rocky Ridge Church. No, she said Sister Teresa, Rocky Ridge Church. Like, that was part of her name. Like, Sister Teresa, Rocky Ridge. You know, but, uh, I was like, this was up. You know, and, you know, I ain't turned around now. I'm just I'm enjoying my meal, but I heard her say that, and I was like, Sister Teresa, Rocky Ridge. You you know me. She, that's why she said it. Sister Teresa, Rocky Ridge, you know me. Oh, yeah, Rocky Ridge, how you doing? Okay. So, uh, you know, that's just peace. But, like, five minutes later, after the other lady had, uh, I guess, left with her family, I think they were leaving at the time when they was, when they was uh, talking to each other. About five minutes later, um, one of the ladies that was sitting behind us, that actually it was the, the lady, the woman, uh, the elderly lady that it, was speaking to the other female, she said, uh, well, I'm going to go outside and smoke me a cigarette before we eat. Childish. All right, so I was like, okay, one minute she's talking about what church she belonged to. The next minute she going outside to smoke a cigarette before she eat. This is a 60-year-old, 70-year-old woman, mind you, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, oh, wow. And, and, you know, I wouldn't even think about the, you know, when I was a child topic at that moment, but it, it just it played into that, you know what I'm saying? So good thing. So I'm sitting here 70 years old now, and my emotions, my this energy and emotion, this repetitive action has more hold on my reality than my spiritual um, my spiritual life. Just so to speak, as far as Christianity is concerned, or any religion, you know what I'm saying, or whatnot, that I can say that I have an outlet 
or something external that is going to have um, have a, uh, embracing on to take me away from here, even in my wrong actions. Or, or even maybe she doesn't see it as wrong, but as far as I, you know, the Bible is concerned, the Bible says so I think it's First uh, Corinthians three sixteen through seventeen, where it states, so you know the the you know the the body is the temple of God, and the spirit of God resides within the temple. And he should defile the temple of God. So with that said, you know, smoking a cigarette is defiling the temple of God, if I'm not mistaken. Even eating that, cooked, you know, cooked food is defiling the temple of God. If I'm not mistaken, I'm just saying this is only coming from a biblical point of view as far as the scripture is concerned and not to go too far out, you know, you know, oblivion with uh what the Bible says and, you know, breaking it down in that manner, yet it's, it's plain to see that that's what it's stated. I mean, it's just saying pretty much uplift the body and pay attention to what it's saying. So if I'm walking around with these lung issues, you know, and um, in the winter, maybe it's because I'm smoking and I'm defiling the body. So he who defiles the temple defiles God. You know, and also we're going into winter, so it's a good time to purge again. With uh, we're going into autumn, but autumn's um, energy is the lung energy, so it's a good time to go ahead and purge the lungs right now. Autumn's organ energy is the lungs, so you get the the um, citrus in, vitamin C zinc. You know, don't get the flu shot. Um, if y'all didn't know, the doctors don't take a lot of doctors for physicians. You know, your home or your um, whoever your main physician is, primary care doctor or whatever, um, they don't take flu shots. They, they take zinc supplements and, and vitamin C throughout the year to avoid the risk of um, contracting any type of flu or cold pneumonia or something because that's what that thing is going to do. And, again, I, I haven't had a vaccination or inoculation since 1996, and I seem to be doing all right. You know, I went to the doctor for no cold or nothing like that. Taking no cough suppressive medicines for a minute out of the spring years, like I said, 1996. I might have got sick after that, between 96 and uh, 2004, somewhere in there, transitioning. But when I got on the vegan diet and taking supplements and learning more about natural health and everything and holistic health, I live holistic basically. Um, Definitely the Qigong from Tai Chi to deep breathing and meditating, you know, getting the organ system to work properly in that manner as well. You know, sickness and things like that or illness as far as dealing with the internal body, you know, no problem now. I never hurt myself a few times. I'm prone to accidents. That's something I've been doing since I've been a little kid. I'm skating, playing basketball and all that stuff. That's just, you know, that's how we do men or whatever. We like to be active and jump off stuff, breaking stuff, but other than internally, you know, other than that, I've been, you know, and I'll give thanks to, you know what I'm saying, work for a little bit. You know, no one has had to, buy, had to have the battle, you know, no one has had to battle. We really got to go out there and experience it and do it, you know what I'm saying. You know, like I said, you know, hearing is believing, you know, seeing is knowing, yet, you know, experiencing is becoming and experiencing is being. So when we are becoming, that means we are experiencing what we have known to think 
as the truth because we see other people doing it. But when we do it ourselves and not live a vicarious reality, then we are becoming. And then when we are being that, there isn't just natural, you know, and we're experiencing it's the spirit, the intelligence moving. You know, the ancestral information that resides within that DNA is now expanding. It's going outward into the physical reality as what it is, as what it always has been. You know, you cannot deny yourself of who you truly are. They, there are blockages, though. There are different things that are, have been introduced to us in this um, said reality uh, as of now that are hindering our growth pattern, our natural growth pattern. Remember, there's the three ends, natural, normal, and necessary. Right now, we're living in a reality that we find that most things that we do is normal and necessary. And most things that we do are not natural, you know what I'm saying? It's like going outside with no shoes on, that's natural, you know what I'm saying? Walking five, ten miles to the store, that's natural, you know what I'm saying? Or um, communicating with each other face-to-face, that's natural, even through the mind, that's natural, you know, from distances. You know what I'm saying? Being able to have a relationship with a man or a woman without being on a level of lust or um, that type of... Uh, that type of arrangement that's natural, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's all type of things that's going on that we find normal because of the exterior and how repetitive it has become as far as how um, how much is being added on to it to keep us in that state of awe, in that, in that entrained state, you know what I'm saying? Again, um, with entrainment, brainwave entrainment is... Um, now this is this definition of entrainment comes from uh, I think it's a uh, Wikipedia or something. But so brainwave entrainment is uh, colloquial. This is the colloquialism for neural entrainment. Brainwave entrainment is colloquialism for neural entrainment, which denotes how to aggregate oscillation frequency resulting from sequential um, electrical activity among Ensembles, ensembles of cortical neurons and can adjust to synchronize with the periodic vibration of an external stimulus, such as a sustained acoustic frequency perceived as pitch, a regularly repeating pattern of intermittent sounds perceived as rhythm, or a regularly intermittent flashing light. I know, that's a big bunch of, uh, yeah, you know, that's like so deep into it with those big words. So brainwave entrainment is colloquialism for neural entrainment basically is another way of saying um brainwave entrainment is another way of saying neural entrainment. Something not entitled for brainwave is called unintelligible artificial brainwave entrainment, you Abby. Um unintelligible artificial brainwave entrainment goes into um what is taking place with uh the cell phones, with the television the thicker rates and uh, also the the uh, hertz within the electrical devices and the signals that they give out. I'm not gonna go too far into that. The good brother uh, Dr. Halim is going to um, bridge some of that together as, as tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I got the email earlier, and it just so happened that that's some of the information I was bringing in today. But I ain't going. Like I said, that where he's gonna. Come to the table with tomorrow. I know, no doubt, you're gonna bring. You know what I'm saying? So I'm gonna get back into this right here. 
he one the, the good brother mentioned uh, was brother um, Bruce like water has stated the meat thing you know what's up with constant brothers and sisters talking about meat but don't you know they don't they don't condone smoking uh, the bud you know what I'm saying so I'm I'm not knocking smoking the bud and I ain't saying I'm for it like to talk about it to each his own you have to really know what you're getting into when you're doing that. Because every time we do burn something, it doesn't matter if it's blood or food. Every time we cook something, we are degenerating the cells. You know what I'm saying? Remember that uh, the cells are 80% water and 20% protein, or 80% alkaline acid, 20%. I mean, 80% alkaline and 20% acid over the protein. So that protein sheath is around the cell. That's the cellular membrane. But you recall that. You know what I'm saying? And, and keep that in mind when we are burning something, like cooked food or smoking, cigarettes or smoking, but that that cell is now degenerating due to the fact that it's, you know, smoke being introduced to a watery substance. And it does cause degeneration or cause aging faster. And it gives us certain feelings through, through the body, you know, just like eating food, cooked food, or, you know, all that. Now, I'm going to read this right here. It's called Discard- Disincarnated Spirits. It's uh, some more notes that I put together a few, about a year or so ago outside the class uh, at Hidden Wings when Dr. Aline had first introduced us to uh, Disincarnated Spirits. I started reading up on it and writing, you know, my own little thing. Oh, but here we go. Uh, in the inferior astral, Disincarnated, basically disincarnated spirits, again, hold on, disincarnated spirits are dead ancestors, basically. You know, they're not respected ancestors that go on to the ancestry. You know. These these ancestors aren't looked upon as, uh, you know, called on. These dead ancestors are, are stuck in between limbo, is what we, we call it here, realms. All right, so in the inferior astral, these disincarnated spirits or dead ancestors give no restriction to the vices entertained by them while in human Thus, if they feel the urge to smoke, they lean on an incarnated spirit, one who is alive and who smokes and feels by stimulation the same pleasure he or she is feeling. The same happens with regard to other urges. It it may be secondary that all incarnated spirits who entertain vices lend themselves like unconscious instruments to an overindulgence of vices entertained by spirits of the inferior astral or the dead ancestors. There's still one point to be clarified. Inhumane urges do not always originate with the incarnate. Many times, these vicious urges, these vicious urges, are aroused by disincarnates, the dead ancestors, that follow the incarnate, and then, by way of feelings, prompt the incarnate to pacify to their desires. The hazard of keeping contact with these souls of the inferior astral, the dead ancestors, goes beyond man's weakness the harmful intuitive influences which result in madness, obsession, family clashes, unfounded resentments, family disagreements, extramarital relationships, and infidelity. There's also the risk of accidents and disasters caused by the disturbed state to which they may lead man. After these, the infectious diseases, which spirits of the inferior astral usually cause or aggravate, leading to disincarnating the incarnate or the human that's alive. The method is somewhat simple. See, in the sources of decayed matter, they pick up contaminating miasmas. 
That's N-I-A-S-M-A-S. Miasma is a poisonous vapor or mist that is believed to be made of particles from decomposing material that could cause disease and could be identified by its foul smell. But they then deposit these vapors, this miasma, into the victim's body and take full advantage of these exposed of their exposed wounds, of the exposed wounds of the incarnate. And if any conditions that are favorable to the circle and any, you read it over. So let me go from from my head. The method is somewhat simple. In the sources of decayed matter, they pick up contaminating miasmas, the M-I-A-S-M-A-S, and deposit these vapors in the victim's body, taking advantage of exposed wounds of the incarnate and of any conditions that are favorable to the circulation or growth of illness. Okay, I'm going to read this out of uh, the comedic diet. The Comedic Diet by Mahutha um, Ashby, Dr. Mahutha Ashby, stays right here. Also, the human digestive tract is not designed to handle meat, so the food rots as it passes through the intestinal system, promoting an environment for diseases such as cancer to take root. The human intestinal tract, the, human, the small intestine is about 20 feet long. The large intestine is about five feet long. Now, I know that, that sounds crazy. Like, how the small intestine long? They call it the large intestine because it's thicker, basically. The small intestine has smaller uh, canals. All right, so, but that's 25 feet of, you know, when extended all the way out, it's 25 feet of intestines. That's pretty long, you know. That's tall. That's tall right there. But you look at it like well, this is what's going on. So we eat this meat. It takes two, three hours to digest anyway because of the, the amino acid chain on meat is very long. Two, three hours, four hours or whatever that's sitting in the stomach is not going to break down all the way for one um, because we do not have the correct enzymes or the acid base in our stomach to break down that high potency of amino, of that amino chain, or that protein. So we're eating the meat, but I think our stomach has, yeah, I think it's 2.5 acidic rate, you know, to break down foods and like that, whereas a dog or animal, a carnivore-type animal, they have canine teeth, you know, they even chew the food like that and break it down in the mouth properly. We have herbivore teeth where they're rounded, you know, just like the gorilla, the strongest animal on the planet that doesn't eat any meat. Um, so the dog has, uh, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere between 0.5 to 1.5 acidic rate in the stomach. Now, I don't have naturopathy books in front of me. It's been a couple of couple of months since I have even picked those up. I can talk about, um, yeah, still, as far they have a, uh, more of a grade of acidic value to where they can break down their meat a lot quicker. And then on top of that, their intestinal tract is only like five feet long. So we got 25 feet of intestinal tract and there's meat going in there trying to find its way out to the chute, you know what I'm saying, out the evacuation canal. But it's like, dang, this is a long time. It's taking too long, man. That's it, you know. Bump it. We're just going to break down what we can, get some of you out of it. We're just going to put the overhead residual 
we'll call it, you know, fat, you know, whatever. And and then after a while, sitting in there, like it says right here, um, the food rots as it passes through the intestinal system because the intestinal tract is so long, you know what I'm saying? What happens is it promotes an area or an environment, an atmosphere for disease such as cancer to take root, you know, so it becomes poisonous to the body. And um, we, as people, become accustomed to eating these, these, you know, these foods or this, like meat. And um, over time, keep, we continually, well, you know, while continually eating, what we're doing is adding on to an existing problem, unknowingly sometimes that's the, that's the root cause of it is just, you know, eating the meat. But basically, it purchases it's undigested food because it's going to sit in there and get old. It purchases it rots, and it's causing a bad bodily odor. So we go back to um, miasma. That's M-I-A-S-M-A-S. Again, miasma. That's a poisonous vapor or mist that is believed to make, be made of particles from decomposing material that could cause disease. It can be identified by a foul smell. So this this meat. Sitting in the body, make you know, y'all didn't smell somebody, and you know, like, whoa, didn't you just take a bath? Like, hold on, I thought I just saw you walk out the shower, at the bathtub, that bathroom with soap and in the rag and all that. <laughs> Why do you still smell like you, you need to go back in there? Mainly due to the fact that there is purification going on in the body, so the, those odors have caused my asthma or poisonous vapor or mist to start being emitted out of the body. You know what I'm saying? And I had the same issue. When I was growing up, my sister could not stand being around me when I take my shoes off. And uh, it wasn't just because I wore socks and, you know, it was summertime or whatever, and I didn't wear socks. It was basically due to, because I'm the same person now, and I don't have those odors like to talk about. Only when I've been, you know, working out, working out, you know, maybe two, three days without a bath. Like when I'm at here at the job, take a bath for two days or something, because I know I'm coming in on a, Come in on a on a Monday, and I'm gonna do a hard day workout today. So Monday, I take a bath on Sunday or Monday morning before I come in to work. I'm not gonna take one Tuesday, one if I'm gonna sweat and do all what I'm doing all day long, which I have been. And you know, so tomorrow or tonight I may shower or something before before I get up. But tomorrow I'm gonna be at work too, so I'm gonna be moving around, sweating and all that. It's good to get it off though, and I'm a man too, you know whatever. Is the women that may do the same thing that I just mentioned might go three days, and that's you know no 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 no. You are women. You are women. You have you know I, I know I know a woman that would you know, actually was my ex-wife. She would take three baths in a day. She would go to school. We got married real young, so she would go to school, take a bath in the morning, come from school, take a bath and eat after school, and then she would go to work. She had a job, you know, saying at a young age. And she would take a bath when she come home from work. Sometimes three, four times. If she was on her cycle, she would take a bath after work or before she went to bed. And then another one in the morning. So she was, you know, she her hygiene level is very uh, high, high hygiene. You know. So these, these, that's older than my asthma. That putrefied food, you know, those those poisonous vapors coming out of the skin is uh, equivalent. To um, what we were talking about, that miasma is equivalent to purified food coming out of the body, you know what I'm saying, creating a bad odor. 
And when we think about vapors and, or smell, you know, vapors is like a condensed water or something like that, if we, if we will. So when we think about that, what does, uh, when we cook the food, cook the meat, you know what I'm saying? If you ever really smelt it, it really ain't, you know, it, it don't smell like something you want to eat. You know? It doesn't have a good smell to it, you know, it, it, until we put seasoning on it. We have to put some herbs on it to make it smell better and then taste better. You know, we don't really, we're not going to eat that hamburger or that beef or whatever straight out of the, the frying pan. It's bland. It doesn't have any flavor to it. It really gives us that, oh, this is so good. It ain't good until we put that barbecue. We got to put that barbecue flavor on it. We got to put the ketchup on that. That's why I'm some salt and pepper, you know, some seasoning to it. What God intended for us to have in the first place is the herbs and stuff. You know, every seed bearing herb, let that be your, and every seed bearing fruit will not let that be your meat, right? You know, so we intended for ourselves, naturally speaking, as Nietzsche, Natu, Naturu, you know what I'm saying, to, um, to remind ourselves that we're supposed to be eating a, a herbivorous diet or a, a, some type of vegetarian or vegan diet and not partaking. On what we would call meat, as far as that in that light is concerned. So we have to season our food in order for it to smell good. You know, even fish though, like fish, we we smell that fish. We're like, oh boy, what does fishy smell? Everybody say that. What smell like fish? Ew. You know, but then we go, we put some seasoning on it. Give me another piece of fish. Ew. <laughs> you know, so it goes back and forth. Throughout throughout life, like what what is good and what is bad, you know what I'm saying? But it's all based on muscle memory. It's all based on repetitiveness and how much it uh, it, it gives us a, a sense of satisfaction or satiation somewhat. We thinking we full or whatever because we got a big stomach and we bloated. it. We you know then a year later we got mucus shooting out of nose and and uh, you know we throwing up all over the place with some type of cold or something due to the fact of all this extra acid that we've introduced to the body that is naturally accolade. You know, so so talking about vapors, talking about smoke as well. So smoke that goes with the marijuana. You know, like I said, I ain't gonna knock it out of smoke. I burn blood all the way up from 15 up to uh, about 34, 35, somewhere around there. When I came out of that closet, or whatever came out of that room, because I was meditating, I said came out of the closet, but I had a, a my spiritual space when I was in, a, was in the closet. I had my little altar in there for a minute, you know what I'm saying? I go in there, I meditate, and I did that for about a year. You know, I'm talking about straight meditations and I mean going through different uh, ideologies and modalities like the Medu Nature and I mean I'm just going through meditations, learning different aspects of them and actually going through the whole process of initiation. So I give thanks to the brothers like Amungra Nasir uh, who who wrote the meta who put the metanets together, you know what I'm saying, and um yeah, still, you know, so I come out that that spiritual space and I ain't want no blood no more. I ain't want no cigarettes no more, like how about, you know what I'm saying? 
you have to really dig deep within yourself and not allow other energies around, you know what I'm saying, to make influences. It was a lot going on. I had to learn to deal with myself and others as well. Like I said on the last bar, I did partake in it for the last about three months from about May to um, last month, yeah, August. And I saw, whoa, you know, great job. I'm like, wow. So that's what that stuff does. Now, I didn't remember, but yeah, it, it's like it took over for a second. I was eating all type of night, hours of the night. I was, uh, I gained, I went through this transition three years in a row with my, I guess, with his, like I said, I think it was something to, do, something to do with my father passing away in June and his energy. So, like I was just mentioning with dead ancestors. Now, I'm not saying my father's a dead ancestor or disincarnate or is these uh, uh, ancestors that is respected. He led a good life, you know. Yeah, still maybe in some of my other ancestors, like granddad or something like that, because they, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Yeah, still the last three years, I noticed that in that time of the year, I went, I've been going through different emotional transitions with my diet and with other things and interactions. And there was other energies around me as well, around, um, you know, circulating around that could have been putting some type of, uh, 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 initiated some type of influence as well, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, we should all have strength enough to, you know, get through those doors. And, and, but it's all an experience. So in that experience, I, I saw it, and I'm like, wow. So I done put on, like, I'm eating cheese, pizza, you know what I'm saying? I'm eating real, for real. Eating, like, the craziest stuff. We went to Bojangles. God knows, you know. Bojangles, that equals no ankles. You know what I'm saying? Taco Hill. You dig what I'm saying? Piece of glut. You know these places. You you don't you don't go to these places and 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 expect to come out on top of the world like like we you know we are um, moving towards. That's me and my own personal. Uh, as far as how I look at it, I know that those food items or whatnot are not uh, from a root. It's not from a, a stem or uh, a vine a shrub or a tree, so it's not natural. They got all that type of other things. I don't care how, how many labels they put on it, all natural is combined into a package, so that's not natural. Um, but basically, you know, I went through that transition again, and I saw myself, you know, going from whatever, you know, like 158, 160 to 178, 180 in about a week, about a week or two span, just in, um, it wasn't good, you know, just said, well, now I'm getting down. I mean, I'm, I'm back down to my normal size. Yes, you know, it was good, too, because it gave me a chance to uh, sit back and really observe self once again and see, you know, like when I was a child, you know what I'm saying, the things that we participate with due to the personality complex. The personality complex is basically it's a, a pattern, it's a cadre of, or of, of emotions, memories, perceptions, and desires that are organized organized around a central theme of thought. You know what I'm saying? That we pick up at a young age. So you know those likes, dislikes, and uh, those uh, indifferences. You know those things that we really don't even we care about. We don't even care about. But those likes, dislikes, and indifferences. Like you know, somebody might not like coconut. Coconuts might be the best thing for them. It might, it might be something that they need in their, with their blood type or whatever. Somebody might not like liver. 
you know, and liver is one is one of the best meats. If you're going to eat meat, you know, eat liver. Best to eat it not well done and burnt and with barbecue sauce all over it. You know, somebody might not like um might not like tea. You know, I don't like tea. You know, somebody might like um like might like a uh, wheat or whatever, and they love it. You know, but they're allergic to it. They just eat it all day. Somebody might like peanut butter. One of these, you know, the whole drug of it, or ice cream or something. But they, they might be allergic to that. But these likes, dislikes, and, and indifferences might be what causes our upliftment and might be what causes our regression, in our, like I said, in our journey and on our walk. All right, so you got to also remember that energy matter or mother-father principles energy being the father principle, matter being the mother principle, are not confined within the cell of the physical reality. It permeates all reality. It is reality, basically, ultimate reality. It's universal. You know, it goes beyond the the state of mind of, or the mindset of man. You know, we are we interconnect with this. When we do interconnect with it properly, you know, we will see ultimate change. We will see the upliftment of humanity. As it is right now, there's so much going on, as for instance, with disincarnate spirits or the dead ancestors being able to influence the incarnate or the the living human being as we walk, you know, sent through the DNA, basically, you know, with like a disposition, a genetic disposition thing. A lot of people think just because mom and daddy had this, you know, ailment, they become fixated. And, and blame their physical ailment or genetic disposition on, you know, the, their pants or, or their genealogy. You know, so I'm like, I look at, you know, my family and I, we got diabetics, we got, you know, they lost limbs, whatever, amputees, and we got, uh, you know, high blood pressure, you know, things like that going on. We got heart disease, lung, lung disease, uh, or cancer. My father, for instance, had lymphoma. You know, and that's right there next to my, uh, where I'm at as far as my genetic disposition is concerned. You know, so I'm talking to my mother the other day, and, and she said, uh, I said, you know, when we do partake in certain things, like we was talking about saturated fat, I said, you know, that saturated fat, the residual left as, you know, the flag on our bodies. And she was like, well, that's something that's just running the family. We, we got, I got more of your arms, you know. Uh, her mom's last name, Maiden's last name. Her mom's maiden name is uh, Moyer. So she was like, uh, you know, I got Moyer on. She started wiggling her arm, hitting her arm with her hand. I was like, well, said, I'm your son. Why ain't I got Moyer on? She said, well, he took after your father. I was like, no, nah, because, you know, a couple of months ago, you know, last couple of years when I go, I went through this situation, I had the Moyer on thing going up under my, my bicep. So I, I know that it's the choices that we make, it's the decisions that we partake in day to day that will either that will cause the of us having these genetic dispositions or these ailments that have been in that, that are now in nationality. Now, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't there a thousand years ago, it wasn't that ten thousand whatever, it may not have been there a hundred years. Of course, you know, most of these things that are occurring now are present in this day and time due to what we are putting into our Vehicles, putting the, we're putting that dead gas in there. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, 
if I'm going to blame it on my disposition, my genetic disposition, then I'm I'm dead wrong. Speaking on on death, you know, saying in the spirit based reality. So we have, I, I was mentioning it the other day. So we have dead food with no enzymes. And enzymes again, enzymes are basically the light of the body. It's basically the spark plug, like in a car. If we don't have the correct type of enzymes being introduced into the body from certain foods, because the body has 10,000 different interactions with enzymes, has thousands and thousands of different enzymes within it, but certain foods have to have enzymes as well or to have that catalyst or to be able to be broken down properly within it. And remember, body means um, by the divine soul indeed to contribute. So when we contribute to the divine soul or to that first cell, that cell, Kael, the spirit of God that resides within, we definitely need to be putting light onto the light. So we look at it like this. Marriage, right? Marriage means to merge, right? So if we have life within a cell, because the cell is alive, it's, it's a whole physical entity or whatever on its own. It, it has a brain, it has organs, it has a heart, you know, stomach, it eats food, you know, it does everything that the whole physical body does, same thing. So if we have a life right here that has light in it, that needs light as well, but it's life, that's life, you know what I'm saying? And we put this dog, this death, open to this life that's light, what's going to happen? Especially if we keep adding on more death and more death to this life. When eventually degenerate and turn to death as well. You know what I'm saying? So basically what what I'm saying is how are you gonna how are we gonna marry life and, and death? We heard of necromancy, but those people that marry dead people kind of spooky ask me, what's gonna get out of that? So we need life. We need life on life. You know, two lives together produces more life for Halu. So Asur and Aset being both life, you know what I'm saying, then brings about seed or Halu, light. You know, so all this death and this fear-based reality feed into this life, this light is degenerating cells and that's that's stress, you know, set rest. You know, so set rest that dark mind or, or the clouded thinking that is occurring due to different processes that are taking place externally. Now again, eighty percent of the physical entity intakes what we are uh, as far as participating with and observing, intakes that eighty percent and then it, the cell or whatever acknowledges it and then refocuses back out externally. So 80% of who we are is based on the physical reality. The other 20% is, again, the genetics. That's our hair, color, eyes, you know what I'm saying, how tall we are, maybe how we even speak, and different things like that. But the other 80%, the 80% is just like the say, 80 to 20, but it's on the reverse. The 80% that we become, even in our health-wise, is based on the physical reality because of the essence that we are taking in is a lower degree of of a, a vibration. So when we take in the death, then in turn what happens is we produce death. We produce a chaotic environment with no balance. And like I was mentioning what I wrote about where the, uh, where the, um, uh, the, the, the mind and we believe a physical place such as the one is circle 
No. Okay. The true separate of the rhythm state can be determined as chaos, the physical objective reality, the order, the spiritual subjective reality. So the true self in his original state can be determined as chaos, the physical objective reality, with order, the spiritual subjective reality. And in the ancient comedic mystery system, this realm of thought is entitled Mahat, truth and balance. So when we have truth and balance, it's based on uh, order and it's based on chaos, basically. So we're looking at where we are now in this reality here. How can we say that we are we have truth and balance when it is uh, a death reality and we keep producing the death because we're not bringing in light. So, you know, like I was saying earlier, genetic disposition or even um, being able to transform and transfer the energy properly um, and not blaming the physical, any physical element on genetic or blaming it on the external reality to go within and say, I'm going to fix this problem. Some of you may not know, I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but I'm 40, all right, but, yeah, good thanks. 40 years old, you turned 40 years something. Uh, yeah, when I was 32, yeah, when I was 32, my psychologist at the time told me that I would be, because I, you know, I was uh, dismissed from the military back in 95, 96, 96 with, uh, the mental, um, what's it called, uh, paranoid schizophrenia. I was uh, dismissed with that uh, mental disability. So I've been, you know, getting pension from that all since then to give thanks, you know what I'm saying? But they labeled me with paranoid schizophrenia. I got out of the military with, a, with you know, disability. And now, you know, it's uh, what, 25 years later or something like that. But the doctor told me I would be in a rest home by the age of 40 when I was 32. And when he said that, in my head almost spent like the extra Emily Rose on that. I was like, what? Rest home? And he said my lip would be hanging over. I have uh, uncontrollable hand movements where my hand would like be in a, almost like the cranes be, or, or what we call single whip in Tai Chi. You know, where all fingers are connected and you go out with a, a like a, it's an uppercut, you know, basically with the, or the ox hand, also called the ox hand, but it's like your, your wrist goes in towards your forearm. So he said, I would have this going on. I couldn't control it over my lip. My lip would have like a, a permanent type of lean to the side, but we drooping. Because like I said, my head started saying, I'm like, nah, buddy, I ain't saying anything to him at the time, but I walked out of it like, okay, now I got to do something because his medication is not, give me any type of resolve, you know, I was not getting any answers from that stuff, you know, so I dug within, I went to the ancestors for my answers, and now, you know, like I said, I came out there, they came out that closet with my Superman cape on, so to speak, because, you know, at the rate I was going, yeah, I would, yeah, I would have been in a restaurant, I was hearing voices, you know, it was the medicine, though, and I was seeing things, I knew, and because when I got out of the medicine, it was no longer there, when it was really out of my system. I didn't have those problems. And then going through the other transitions of learning how to breathe properly, you know, and, and um, eating properly, getting the right supplementation to the brain, getting the right elements that's required for critical thinking back to the source, you know what I'm saying, to the pomegranate, and allowing those things to bridge that, that avenue, the difference, you know what I'm saying. See, mystically speaking, metaphysically speaking, 
it seems like, you know, it's something external going on. But, you know, this thought ain't nothing but the, the rainbow bridge, and that's basically a substantial nebula that's within the brain, you know, within the mind right there at the uh, new, the third ventral part itself, the third ventricle in the hypothalamus or the thalamus. Thalamus meaning bedroom, you know, it's in, in the chamber that's right there underneath the pineal gland. The pineal gland dips in there. There's, you know, John the Baptist baptizing Jesus, the pineal gland into the river Jordan. You know, you look at it how you want to, but basically, you know, that Bifrost big bridge that they talk about in Thor or, you know, Bukharu, you know what I'm saying, is um, it's a substantial nuclear, but that access to a lot of fluids or in hormones and things and whatnot that even the human growth hormone that's uh, um, produced by the pituitary gland, you know, all those different fluids within there, you know, we see the you know, it colors in our meditation, but that's the accessing and then moving of those fluids to the body with mind intent, you know what I'm saying, uh, energy transference mechanism. So coming out that spiritual space, you know, I was like, wow, you know, I don't need this no more. I don't, you know, I don't want that no more. You know what I'm saying? What do I really need more? What's natural? You know what I'm saying? So... Natural, necessary, natural, normal, and necessary. You know, after that, I got, I mentioned before, you know, I turned the TVs off, I turned the radios off. It's been eight years since I've sat down and watched a, a television show or listened to the radio. And this is, I'm going to go into these notes right here. This is the purpose and reason for that right here. It's an institute called Tavistock. These are some notes I've been taking over the past few years on um, this group. All right, so it states right here, this quote, I know the secret of making the average American believe anything I want him to, to let me control television. You put something on the television and it becomes reality. If the world outside the TV set contradicts the images, people start trying to change the world to make it like the TV set images. That's Hal Becker, a media expert and management consultant of the Future Group. That was in an interview in 1981. So in the last 35 years since Becker's comment, Americans have become even more wired into a mass media network that now includes computer and video games as well as the Internet and an all-surrounding network whose power is so pervasive that it's almost taken for granted. In 1991 report published by the Methusium Club of Rome entitled The First Global Revolution, Sir Alexander King, top advisor on science and education policy to the royal family, and Prince Philip wrote that new advances in communication technology will greatly expand the power of media both in the advanced and developing sectors. The media, he proclaimed, is the most powerful weapon in Asia in the fight to establish a one-worldist neo-Methusian order that would transcend and obliterate the concept of the nation-state. Beyond, you heard that right. The media, he proclaimed, is the most powerful weapon in Asian of change in the fight to establish a one-worldist neo-Methusian order that would transcend and obliterate the concept of the nation-state. Beyond this interacting network, there are millions of participants involved in the production, distribution, and transmission of media messages whose thinking, in turn, has been shaped by the content of the media product and who are effectively self-brainwashed by the culture within which they live. 
It's called compartmentalization. I a brief story the other day I written the car, right? So I go to Enterprise to uh to rewrite. You gotta rewrite every month. All right, so I'm going there to to rewrite on the car and um it's a new it's a new uh you know, whoever attended is working in there. So she you know, she tells me to come in and rewrite and everything. But she had failed to mention that I need to bring first of all she said, uh when I got there she said I needed thirty five dollars that was residual from the last one to make it a zero balance, all right? So I ain't bring no money in my card and all that's in my other car locked up, my card, all that. I brought the key with me, picked up the car, so nobody now could bring my stuff. So I'm like, damn, I got to call somebody to get some money. So I called somebody, they brought me $35, right? So then I'm giving her $35. She said, well, um, you also need a $200 deposit in order to drive the car back off the lot. So I'm sitting there like, now what? <laughs> I didn't know you had $200 like that to talk about. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, okay, I got to bring $200. You know, I'll try to stay in my meditative mind. try to stay, you know, grounded and centered. So I, even, I went outside and just started doing time. Because I called my friend and I told him, you know, he gave me $200 until later on in the week and I'll pay you back. All right, so they, uh, he brought it up there. He was about to go in. And ask him, like, what does he need $200 for? You know what I'm saying? He wanted to see where his money was going. I, you know, I let him know what was good. But basically, you know, but in between time, I even went outside and did some Tai Chi to, um, you know, bring that yang down, that fire energy down, because I was about to be so active jumping over that counter. He said it's going to I'm like, you could inform me on this beforehand. But, okay. By the end of the day, you know, everything was good. You know, finally I'm ready to leave. And she said, forgive me for all the, you know, everything that's going on. I really appreciate your patience and everything. She was like, I'm, I'm new on the job. I've only been here five months, and I don't want to lose my job. I was like, oh, God, you know, this sister, you know what I'm saying? She only knew what was really going on, you know what I mean? So, you know, I was just like, wow, you're compartmentalized. Basically, she has a clue about what she's doing in that building like that, but she has no clue about anything else. I mean, I, the car... I'm not really renting it, per se. Myself is, is something that me and a couple of my friends have been renting. So we padded for maybe five months. So that's a lot of change being um, put on this thing. It's like we bought the car three times already. <laughs> it was thing like, but, uh, you know, so she may not know the history. Even if she does, it don't matter either. It's still, she's coming. She Brown knows it a little bit, not to judge her, but she doesn't want to lose her job. You know what I'm saying? That's, I understand that. But basically, it's, it's, she self-brainwashed herself to believe things in this reality or this, uh, you know, culture of America that we have to do. We got to do certain things a certain way or we're going to lose our grip of what we gained or whatnot. You know, we're thinking that that this, this uh, these external values is going to cause, it's going to, you know, create my success. You know, and and when we go into life, we should not um, think that our success is going to be weighed by some of the external material gain. You know, success. Our, our success basically, our success stems from um, inner peace and inner happiness. True success is has no relation to wealth in the, the format of physical gain. The ancestors don't know nothing about that. Who earth, light, and and water don't know nothing about a million dollars. What is that? You know, 
know what I'm saying? Golden to zero. Don't know nothing about a million dollars. You know what I mean? We just get cool to get it. You know what I'm saying? But we're going to do with it when we get it. Currency is currency, right? So it's energy and motion. And it's how we go about getting it. Should I focus on the money or focus on the activity of what I'm doing to gain the money? And that's my passion. That's my heart. I think the heart should be more valuable. The heart is more valuable. And when we weigh, when it is weighed properly or when we are looking at success in this way properly, then it should be about the love that we gain when receiving what we have to offer in love. So it's, it's, it's not, it ain't got nothing to do with that material thing. The material thing is just a reflection of what is going on inside. So all the things that we have on the outside are just mirrors of what we have going on inside. So we got chaos and turmoil and disruption and all that going on on the outside because of what's going on inside. If we have peace, tranquility, humility, honesty going on the outside, that's what's going on on the inside. And I'm seeing it in both, on both roads, you know what I mean? And walk both paths and seeing, you know, that treacherous reality emitting from my stinking skin. And I'm seeing that beautiful, serene reality emitting from my perfumed Odors, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> all in all, you know, where's the stemming from? So go back to this Tavistock thing. The historic center of this mass psychological war machine is based outside of London in the Tavistock Center. It was established in the aftermath of World War One under the support of Duke George of Kent from 1902 to 1942. The original Tavistock Clinic, led by John Rawlings Reese, was developed as the Psychological Warfare Center for the Royal Family and British Intelligence. Reese and a core group of Freudian and Neo-Freudian psychiatrists applied wartime experiences of psychological failure to create theories about how such conditions of mental breakdowns could be influenced absent the terror of war. The result was a theory of mass brainwashing involving group experiences that could be used to alter the values of those subjected to the experiments and through that provoke over time changes in the obvious assumptions that govern society. So the result was a theory of mass brainwashing involving group experiences that could be used to alter the values of those subjected, subjected to the experiments and through that provoke over time changes in the obvious assumptions that govern society. So it was given, it was um, making soldiers or, or whatnot go through different types of brainwashing situations that were similar to war, but there was no war going on. See what type of, well, to gain some type of conclusion on how to um, manipulate or mass manipulate the brainwave psychology. In the 1930s, Tavistock Unlimited Networks developed a cooperative relationship with the Frankfurt Institute for Social Research created by European um, oligarch networks. Oligarchy is from a Greek word um, meaning few. That's olog, olgos, O-L-I-D-O-S meaning few, means few, and um, arko, A-R-K-H-O, means to rule or to command. So the few that rule and command. Um, the, so the European oligarchic or the European few that command, they call them the elite, but I call them the little the European oligarch is a form of power structure in which power effectively rests with a small number of people. 
Such states are often controlled by a few prominent families who typically pass their influence from one generation to the next, but inheritance is not necessary condition for the application of this term, which focused on the study and disappro- disapproval of culture from a neo-Fardian standpoint. In the late 1930s, that, you hear that disapproval of culture. That means they do not want culture to be uplifted, indigenous culture, the original culture that was there. They want to, to minimize it. That's why that colonialism, you know, is going on. And, and you know what I'm saying? But they go in and they take over uh, different indigenous lands. So in the um, late 1930s, with this operations transferred, from Germany to, to New York, um, Germany to New York area, the Frankfurt School coordinated the first analysis of the impact of a mass media phenomenon. In other words, the radio on culture, the Princeton-based radio research project. That was in um, the ninth, late 1930s. We're going to get into that in a second. With the outbreak of World War II, Tavistock operatives took effective control of the psychological warfare dict- dictatorate of the British Army while its allied network in the United States embedded itself in American psychological warfare apparatus, including the Committee on National National on Morale. And by, and by the war's end, the combined influence of Tavistock, which became the Tavistock Institute in 1947, and of the former Frankfurt School operatives, had created a group of psychological shock groups, I mean, uh, psychological shock troops, as Reeds called them, and the cultural... The cultural Warriors, numbering in the several thousands. Today, that network numbers in the several millions around the world. And it is the single most important factor in determining the design and content of mass media products. Those are those brainwashed, individuated, dual sets that are running around out here, compartmentalized in our society. Basically, it's everyone that we know. Those are what we call in the matrix movies that. The agents, you know what I'm saying? They may not know that they're agents or they may not know that they are possessed or obsessed by those disincarnates, you know what I'm saying, that just want to feel that sensation of having some type of authority or being regulated. All right, so um, the pictures in our heads, that's a statement. That uh, in 1922, Walter Lippmann defined in his book the public opinion. So in this book, it states as follows: the pictures inside. This is quote: the pictures inside the heads of human beings, the pictures of themselves, of others, of their needs and purposes and relationships, are their public opinions. Those pictures, which are acted upon by groups of people or by individuals acting in the name of groups, are public opinions with capital letters. So the pictures inside the heads of human beings, the pictures of themselves, who we think we are, of other people around us in our, you know, our, in our community and society, and their needs and purposes. You know, I got to go to work, get this paycheck, you know, and and you know, I got to have this relationship with this woman or this man, have these children. Those are their public opinions. But the pictures that are acted upon by groups of people, or by individuals acting in the names of groups of people, those small that small group of rules, of, you know, the oligarchy with the littles uh, are public opinions with capital letters. So the things that we see in our heads, the pictures of ourselves and others and these purposes of are being acted upon by those individuals or smaller groups of people. What we're thinking we're doing for ourselves is really we're doing it for those people 
in um, what we call uh, seeks of power were very deceitful. Lippmann, mm-hmm. who was the first to translate Sigmund Freud's works into English and spent World War One at the British Psychological Warfare and Propaganda Headquarters in Wellington House. Um, well, that's outside of London, in a group that included Freud's nephew, um, Edward Bernays. You look these guys up, you know what I'm saying, um, Walter Lippmann, Edward Bernays. I was introduced to him by Dr. Um, Phil Valentine, over there at the um, University of Comedic Sciences. Um, so Littman's, public, Littman's book, Public Opinion, published one year after Freud's, um, Sigmund Freud's Mass Psychology, which touched on similar things, was a product of this tool by the Reese Network. It's through the media, Littman writes, that most people come to develop those pictures in their heads giving the media an awesome power. The Reese Network has spent World War I studying the effects of war phobia and its breakdown of a human being's personality. From their work, an immortality thesis, an immorality, my, my bad, from their work, an immorality thesis emerged. Through the use of terror, man can be reduced to a childlike and obedient state in which powers of reason... In which his powers of reason are clouded or stressed again, you know what I'm saying? Dark set meaning darkness and rest rich meaning head or mind, so the dark head, the clouded thinking. So in which his powers of reason are clouded, in which is in which his emotional response to various various situations and arousal can be predictable, or in Tabistakian terms, profitable. By controlling the levels of anxiety, it is possible to induce a similar state whose behavior can then be controlled and manipulated by the forces of the few that rule for what Tavistock worked. All right, so by controlling the levels of anxiety, you know, that on and off switch, what they call factorization, where they're always switching their emotion. One minute, I was watching a commercial on the TV the other day uh, in Mars house. It was, something was wrong. It was talking about uh it was talking about oh yeah, it said uh it was a commercial about high blood pressure, some appeal to take one of them pills, you know what I'm saying, I don't know what it's called. And it's like this is a pill, you know, do this, do that, do that. Then at the end of it, it said, um, uh, if you are on this, the side effects may be nausea, vomiting, or even death may occur. And then right after that commercial came on, they had Papa John's commercial talked about how good this pepperoni um, pizza would be, you know what I'm saying? So this on and off switch is always there, you know what I'm saying? So um, by controlling the levels of anxiety, it's possible to induce a similar state in large groups of people whose behavior can then be controlled and manipulated by the forces of the few that rule for which Tavistock works. Mass media are capable of reaching large numbers of people with programmed or controlled messages, which is key to the creation of controlled environments for brainwashing purposes. As Tavistock's researchers showed it, it was important that the victims of mass brainwashing not be aware that their environment was being controlled. There should, that there should thus be a vast number of sources for information whose messages could be varied slightly so as to mask the sense of external control. Where possible, the messages should be offered and reinforced through entertainments and agreeable occupation of the mind which could be consumed 
without any apparent force, and with the victim perceiving himself as making a choice between that first option and outlet. Dittman observes in his book that people are more than willing to reduce complex problems to basic formulas to form their opinion by what they believe others around them believe. Truth hardly enters into trouble thought. The appearance of reports in the media conveys the atmosphere of reality upon those stories. If they weren't factual, then why would they be reported? Dittman says the average person believes people whose fame is in turn built up by the media, such as movie stars, can become opinion leaders with as much power to sway public opinion as political figures. We see that today, you know, through the summer we saw a couple of um, movie stars doing their thing, you know, as a, and they had become opinion leaders, you know, and watch out. For people to think about this process too much, it might break down. But he writes, the mass of absolutely, this is quote, this is Lippmann again, quote, the mass of absolutely illiterate or feeble-minded, grossly neurotic, undernourished, and frustrated individuals are very considerable. Much more considerable there is reason to think than we generally suppose. Thus, a wide popular appeal is circulated among persons who are mentally children or barbarians whose lives are a morass or a mess of entanglements, people whose vitality, whose energy is exhausted, shutting people, and people whose experience is comprehended, no factor in the problem under discussion. So right there, I mean, what is it? Feeble-minded, weak-minded, docile, you know what I'm saying, illiterate, absolutely illiterate, can't read, can't write, you know, undernourished, not getting the right type of elements into the physical brain, the body, basically, contributing to the divine soul. And frustrated individuals not getting what they want out of life. Now, the imagination at that young age when they were children has been strained, has been uh, obliterated. It's no longer what they thought they were, so now they're frustrated. So now he said, much more considerable is there reason to think than we is there reason to think than we generally suppose at first when they first started out. So thus now, why popular appeals circulated among persons who are mentally children of barbarians whose lives are now a mess of entanglements due to the frustration, due to not having the right elements put into the body or undernourished, being weak-minded, not being able to read, and grossly neurotic, colorbone, uh, this is messing my whole body up, you know what I'm saying, and whatnot. And, you know, going back and forth to doctors and other things, people whose vitality, whose energy is exhausted, people who are shut in, they don't get out, and whose experience is comprehended, no factor in the problem of the discussion. They don't see that there is a problem going on that stems not from where they are as far as the effect, but where does the cause will come from? We're not even, you know, the mass, the masses are not even looking at where this issue is stemming from, where, where's the root cause. All right, so the radio research project as Littman was uh, taking effect as Littman was uh, writing this book, Public Opinion. The radio, which is the first major mass media technology to invade or occupy the home, was coming into prominence at the same time. Unlike the movies, which were viewed in theaters by large groups of people, the radio provided a personal experience within the home and centered on the family. By 1937, out of 32 million American families, an estimated 27.5 million had radio sets. That's a larger percentage that had cars, telephones, or even electricity. You know, back then, they had the radio over batteries. So that same year, the Rockefeller Foundation funded a project to study the effects of radio on the population, which later became known as the Radio Research Project, headquartered at Princeton University. 
were sections of that Frankfurt School now transplanted, transplanted from Germany to America. That's the paperclip um, project dealing with MK Ultra, also in the um, and also the um, um, project Monarch. I um, the project was formatted by theoretical work done earlier in the studies of war propaganda and psychosis in the work of Frankfurt School operators Walter Benjamin and Theodore Adorno. This earlier work had converged on the thesis that mass media could be used to stimulate regressive mental states, atomizing, or to reduce something to atoms or separate something into three atoms. That means, you know, so we are composed, as far as the holographic expression is concerned, from the first cell into 70 six trillion to a hundred trillion cells by utilizing this mass media um this mass media technology is based on the radio, it can stimulate regressive mental state that will break down this complete structure and atomize it or whatever to separate free atoms. So individuals oh we go back into atomizing I, um, this earlier work had converged on a thesis that mass media could be used to stimulate regressive mental states, atomizing individuals and producing increased stability or change. This induced mental, these induced mental conditions were later described by Tavistock itself as brainwashed states and the process of stimulating them called brainwashing. So they um, pretty much coined the label brainwashed, Tavistock. And the brainwashing back in 1938 uh, when they were doing these, when they developed these projects called the Radio Research Project. You can look this up yourself. So in 1938, at the time, he was head of the music section of the Radio Research Project. Theodore Adorno wrote that listeners to radio music programs, quote, fluctuate between comprehensive forgetting and certain dives into recognition. They listen atomistically and disassociate what they hear. They are not childlike, but they are childish. Their primitivism is not that of the undeveloped, but that of the forcefully retarded, end quote. They are not childlike, but they are childish. Childish basically means childlike, though. It means different when you really look into the word. You know, ish means like. So childish, they are not childlike, but they are childish. They, we, you know, we've seen it, like I was saying earlier, you know, we uh for instance, uh, I, was, talk, I was speaking with my sister the other day. I don't know, I really won't go into it, but I was speaking, was going, I was taking her home. She lives out of town, and uh, she had to come down for a doctor's appointment because she had felt uh, something going on in the chest, like in the breast. So uh, she's feeling like it might be, you know, something bad, like cancer, breast cancer, whatever. So we're having a conversation on the ride back, you know, and, uh, I'm letting her know a few things about, you know, facts, truths about health and stuff and other things as well. But we started talking. She said, well, I just put it in Jesus' hands and stuff like that, which was cool, all that. But then we started speaking on that. And I, I, I think I may have brought to the table something about how we've been manipulated through our, our you know, perceptions or personality has been altered by way of external things that we really believe is true, you know, so I said something about how, you know, you could tell a dog, you know, to um, to run, smack it on his butt, and make it sit, 
And as long as you say that this word, are you in, run, means to sit, the dog is going to believe that when he's sitting, he's running. But you tell it to run, but you're smacking it and telling it to sit and putting his butt on the ground. So that dog is going to learn by way of that vibration and that uh, of, of sound and that action that, you know, run means sit. So that's, what, you know, basically brainwave manipulation when your brain is saying, this is what this really means, I'm going to tell you that this is what it means, so you will do what I say, even when it ain't necessarily the truth. So basically, at the end of the day, she, she was like, well, I'm just trying to be logical. You're talking a big bunch of gibberish. And I said, I said, whoa. I said, you're trying to be logical. Whoa, you need to be using your imagination and your creative instincts, you know, you're, you're, you're nurturing the aspects of yourself, the true self, your, your natural self. She's like, you know, whatever you're talking about, this this is a lawyer, you know, she, you know, she, been, she went to Duke, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, this logical intellectual right here doesn't see, at that moment, doesn't see what's going on. But, um, you know, get things by the end of the day, you know, a couple of days later, she did find out what was going on. And it, wasn't, it, it is what it was. You know, she she did develop. Uh, she had developed. Oh, boy. Good thing she did develop. Let's go. Hold on. Now, give me a, a brief moment. All right. So, um, I, mean, I knew that was going to happen. I've, I've been working on it, but, uh, you know, there's... These are my family, my sister and stuff. So, you know, it's still getting on. I can talk about it, and uh, it's not, it's not right. All right, <clears throat> hold up. All right, we got to drink some water. <laughs> uh, put some water on that, right? So, so by the end of the day, and I, I love her, you know, all no, that's not her fault. So we talked, and you know, when she when she did find out that that's what the case is, you know, she called me. She's like, you know, put put together a list for and you know, what she need to she need, she should do to uh, to help herself and take responsibility. Because we had, like I said, we had a long conversation. It was a two and a half hour trip from here to to Fayetteville, and uh, probably set on that little emotion thing. But you know, you go you go through these situations, and we've been. Who we are is like, you know, we holistic and we live a certain lifestyle. To not really trying to live forever and that, but you know, just to, you know, see our seeds grow up properly and family to get right somewhere. But you know, we do have children and we just want to take care of ourselves. You know, it ain't about flying. I mean, really, you know, it ain't, it ain't about like you know, moving something with my my mind and that. It's really just take care of myself. Whatever comes with that, yeah, that territory, that's that's peace. You know, whatever. But we seeing. Uh, community, we're seeing, you know, what family, we're seeing community, and we're seeing society is being taken control of. But yeah, so we had that conversation, and um, and she was like, "I'm just trying to be logical, and, and you talking gibberish." But that right there shows that they're not, you know, I ain't blaming her, but they listen atomistically and dissociate what they hear. So she would hear me say stuff, and she disassociated herself with it. And like I said right here, they're not childlike, but they're childish. 
the primitivism is not that of the undeveloped, but that of the forcibly retarded. So there's certain things that we interact with on the day-to-day, you know, face planting his cell phone, you know, punching his button on his thing, getting interactions and corresponding to this, you know, the other human being on the other end through this mechanism that is being controlled by somebody or something, these little that is causing us to be forcibly retarded. You know, there's ADHD, ADD, you know, every little children got to have a cell phone now for what? You know what I'm saying? And they smartphone, smarter than a human. I know gorillas and monkeys are smarter than us now due to, you know what I'm saying? This is, it wasn't going on. All right, so, but basically, okay, we finished reading. All right, so the Radio Research Project results published in 1939 back up with Dono's thesis of enforced retardation that served as the brainwashing handbook. So in studies on the serialized radio dramas, commonly known as soap operas, so named because many were sponsored by soap manufacturers, Herta Herzog found that their popularity was not was not to be credited to any socioeconomic uniqueness of listeners, meaning gender, race, or nationality, but rather to the serialized format itself, which persuaded habituated listeners. The brainwashing power of serialization was recognized by movie and television programmers, and to this day, soap operas remain among the most addictive television propaganda, with 70% of all American women over 18 watching at least two of these shows each day. And you see, soap operas, what do you use soap for? To wash the body, right? So they're washing the brain, soap Operas, and they say you know soap operas was named soap operas because they had a lot of uh, different commercials within it that was based on like selling soap, you know whatever. Soap it washes something, so you know brainwashing. And there's so many soap operas on now. Most syndicated shows is based on some type of soap opera. Women ain't the only ones watching. I mean, men watching as well nowadays. But basically, okay, the project researchers have proven that the radio had already so conditioned the minds of its listeners, making them so fragmented and unthinking that repetition of format was the key to popularity. And we can see that um, by this one-eyed babysitter that came out later um, with the with sitcoms, you know. So television was now beginning to make its entrance as the next mass media technology at the same time radio research projects finds were being published in 1939. The first experiment, um, with large scale on the large scale of the Nazi Germany during the 1936 Berlin Olympics, where TV made its splashy public appearance there, um, when with Hitler, you know, he was doing all that yeah, stuff, and you know, everybody was at all like, wow. But then it made its uh, appearance in 1939 in the New York World's Fair, where it also attracted large crowds. So uh, Theodore Adorno and others immediately recognized its potential as a main brainwashing tool. In 1944, he wrote, television aims at the synthesis of radio and film, but its consequences are enormous and promise to intensify the impoverishment of artistic substance. So drastically, and this is a quote, television aims, all right, and drastically that by tomorrow, the thinly veiled identity of all industrial, industrial cultural products will come triumphantly out in the open, derisively fulfilling the Wagnerian or Wagnerian dream of that's German, meaning the fusion of all arts in one word. So that's perversion from truth. So they're taking the truth and pervert 
as was obvious from even the earliest clinical studies of television, some of which were conducted in the late 1940s and early 1950s by Tavistock operatives, viewers over a, relative, a relatively short period of time entered into a trance-like state of semi-awareness characterized by a fixed stare, that, that, that zombie, you know what I'm saying, the uh, walking dead. The longer one watched, the more evident the stare. In such a condition, the longer one watched, the more evident the stare. In such a condition of twilight semi-awareness, they were subjected to messages both contained in the programs themselves and through transference in the advertising. They were being brainwashed. Mm. Pardon. End quote. Uh, yeah. Television moved from being a neighborhood oddity to mass infiltration of especially urban areas during approximately 1947 to 1952. Lyndon LaRouche observed that this, that this, um, oh, uh, Lyndon LaRouche observed that this coincided with the critical period in the nation's psychological life. At this time, the dreams of millions of were at this time, the dreams of millions of World War II veterans and their high hopes of building a better world crashed to earth in the honorably corrupt leadership of the Truman administration in the following economic depression. These veterans retreated into family life, their jobs, their homes, their living rooms. And, that, and what was in the center of those living rooms, none other than their new television set, whose ordinary images provided assurance that the corrupt moral choices that they had made were correct. The earliest programming fell back on the tested models of radio as described in the Radio Research Project, the situation, the situation comedy or sitcom, the game shows, the variety shows, sports, and the soaps. Many were in serial form with interlocking characters, if not stories. All were predictable and intentionally designed so, even to this day. They're all predictable. You watch the same, we watch the same movie over and over, same storyline. It's a root. You know, it's the Book of the Dead, personal root. When not, it's always going to have the same plots. You know, if you if you read Pertinence, seen every movie, basically. Um, the children of these unhappy veterans, the so-called baby boomers, became the first generation to be weaned on what LaRouche calls the one-eyed babysitter. And if you haven't noticed, the uh, baby boomers, um, three out of five baby boomers are contracting some type of cancer. And, you know, we have uh, a lot to owe that to uh, television and radio due to commercialism and, and all the things that are taking place on that through that avenue, through that venue of uh, the transmission to our, our mind state, our psychology. All right, so um, the children of these unhappy veterans, the so-called baby boomers, became the first generation to be weaned on what LaRouche calls the one-eyed babysitter. Television viewing was encouraged by parents, often as a means of controlling the children who would stare at whatever was on the screen for hours on end. Content of the first children's program was born, but no more so than the television programming in general. And mentally destructive, even more destructive, was the replacement of real family interaction by television viewing, as the dinner table was replaced by the TV dinner in front of the tube. Not surprisingly, the children fixated obsessively on the items advertised by the media demanding that they be given these items for fear that they wouldn't be like their friends. In the mid-1970s, Eric Trist, who, until his death in 1993, 
Hated Tavistock's operations in the United States and Tavistock's main media expert, Fred Emery, reported on the findings of the impact of 20 years of television on American society. In Emory's 1975 work, Future We Are In, they reported that the content of television programming was no longer as important as the total amount of television viewing. Average daily viewing time had risen steadily over the two decades since the introduction of the medium, such that by the mid-1970s, it ranked as a daily activity only behind sleep and work at almost six hours a day. Since then, it has risen still further to more than seven hours with the addition of video games, home videos, and etc. And among school-age children, the time spent viewing television ranked just behind school attendance. With these findings, it strongly suggested that television was like an addictive drug. Similarly, Emory reported on neurological studies, which he claimed showed that repeated television viewing shuts down the central nervous system of man. Going back to that um, seven hours, six hours a day thing, it's only 24 hours in a day. So you break that down into threes, it's eight times three. You know what I'm saying? You got eight hours of sleep, eight hours to go to school or to work, and then you got eight hours of being on, you know, within the social media or the video games, home videos, or, you know, on the cell phone or whatever. So how much time are we spending to ourselves in that quiet time? You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I haven't sat down and watched a television, you know, minus a uh, little YouTube here and there. I don't really get caught up in. I'm, I mean, you know what I'm saying I'm not. I'm just speaking from my own experience. I don't really do that much either. You know, I might maybe out the week I might get two, three hours in. I download something. You know, YouTube download or whatever. I download it and I come back to it every once in a while to pick up all the notes that I need from it. If I get something like that off of there, but basically I read. You know, pick up information. You know, I order books off of Amazon. That's on the YouTube thing. And the cell phone thing, and people might think I'm, I'm, you know, I might be a little distant or something, because I don't call them or whether or not and all that. I, I just, you know, it's something you gotta do. You know, I, you know, this is something you really want to talk to somebody. You, you know, they, we disconnect from these devices, these external material devices. We will speak to each other in the astral, properly, and we'll know exactly what's going on from that point. We've done it. You know, for eons, so it ain't nothing changing. It's just an artificial electromagnetic grid that we are under right now. It's, you know, it's blocking some of those avenues. But I'm letting you know, you know, Prince came to me the night before he passed. It was funny. I mean, it was weird. The night that he passed, or whatever, he transitioned. Came to me in a dream with the yellow shirt on, the white pants, stomping, looking a little aggressive and angry. And the next morning, I got a text talking about Prince transition from uh, one of my sisters and stuff. I was like, whoa. And he was just in my dream stomping. You know, me and my, one of my sisters, my sister that was staying with me at the time, she, uh, she, we was, had, we had embarked on a conversation about Prince right before we went to rest. So that may have been why we, you know, as far as, I was, you know, as far as the dream is concerned, there may be uh, one reason why he uh, came to me in the dream state and was allowed FaceTime to, you know, see that, you know, something wasn't right. You know, but, uh, Like I was saying, just then, children spending more time, well, everyone was spending um, a quarter of our day, well, one-third of our day, basically um, 
pushing his button on the computer and, and on the cell phone. And then, you know, the other two-thirds, you know, sleeping in that school at work. And we might be utilizing the computer at, at school at work, too, or on the cell phone. So some people might be getting 12, 14 hours, 16 hours, man, and then at um, the eight hours of sleep or, or six hours of sleep, depending on the person. All right, so going back to the end of our immune tries to present convincing argument that comes Common extensive television viewing lowers the ability for abstract thinking about what is being presented on the screen. These studies show that simple presence of images on television, especially with appropriate news or documentary format, tends to validate those images and instill them with a sense of reality. And by doing such, it, it lends the opportunity to create what is called uh, forcibly retarded childlike states of, of mind. And these mental states um, are engineered and produced uh, through the intense uh, utilization of these, um, these technological advancements that we call, you know, as far as uh, the electric, electronic technolo- technological advances and these devices that are very devious and that are very detrimental to our growth because it's not the right type of light. It's not the right type of water. So, you know, to get that mover in properly is definitely one of, the, one of the main, one of the things that I'm just, you know, coming from my own perspective and I ain't no better than nobody else. There ain't nothing like that. When I unplug, and I found myself true self through the you know genetics, and that was my genetic my you know my DNA started flourishing. I guess you could say it coming out properly. It was a beautiful thing, but I had to unplug. You know, Neo walking through the matrix unplugged. You know, what I'm saying so in order to get that neocortex jumping, you know, the, the cerebral jumping properly, the brain, the mind. Neocortex means new skin. So we had to share old skin. You know, cortex being the skin or the, the bark of a tree. Neo meaning new. So to share that old skin, take the reptilian brain, what we sense in it, you know, as far as the operation of the five senses concerned, and then transforming that energy into a higher perspective of thought and training that energy where it cannot be manipulated by the external values. And I I'm not perfect, like I said. I'm still going through it. You know, I'm still, you know, we have all type of um, vices out here. But these vices can turn to virtues once we have learned to, you know, not really ignore them, but to let them pass by as being fleeting and transitory. They're not permanent. And if we try to fixate on it, with our focus and make them permanent, and they will become an asset or a facet of our life that will, you know, in turn, it could be detrimental or it could be uplifting, depending on what that agreement is in the conscious mind or the, or the aware physical mind state that will develop into a conscious state as far as the upheaval into existence, you know what I'm saying? As it, 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 come it comes out to the um, physically out there's manifestation from the mind. We have to be careful of what we are putting into the think tank, you know, 
and it it can cause us to be a lot of the things is forced upon us, like you said. Is they are not childlike, but they are childish. The primitivism is not that of the undeveloped, but that of the forcibly retarded. Quote unquote. You know what I'm saying? And that's Theodore Adorno. He was the one. The, he's one of the key uh, members. He actually headed out the Radio Research Project back in 1939. That was um, funded. It was basically controlled, funded by this Tavistockian group. And this whole thing by the Tavistockian group, which is run basically by the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds and all them cats, is to um, brainwash or mass manipulate the uh, to manipulate the masses to bring. Um, brainwave psychology or brainwave manipulation, basically. So when we, you know, we over here, we're getting all these different type of uh, interactions on YouTube or we're getting all this information on the internet. We got to remember who controls this thing in the first place. You know what I'm saying? And I and I know something going on because, like, when you're doing right, then all type of other things be popping off to make you want to, to go the other way, like I was taught, you know, by this good, the good uh, teachers, the masses before, and it's still around. They, they teach and they say that when you're walking up that hill, there's going to be some resistance. It's going to be a lot of resistance, especially when you get into the, right there to the top and you're about to put that flag down. You're going to be tired. So I, I've noticed in life that that is very true. When we are getting to a point to where, we see ourselves, and we're walking up that hill, and we're getting there. It's going to be all types of resistance trying to pull us back down, all types of little holes in the road, you know, called potholes and tripping us up, you know, stems and branches laid in the path, you know. So just get up, brush stuff off, and keep moving, you know, saying don't let that get you down. You know, don't be discouraged because, don't be discouraged, I mean, because uh, something going on with family or something going on in your community. Something going on in society. Remember where you're going. Remember your goal. You know, keep your head up. Keep going. Keep moving to the top. Don't take the childlike route and just get stuck in complacency and, and the pleasure of or the amusement of our senses and, and then you know want more, want more, want more. You know, find that point. You know, we can have the. We already got everything. You know what I'm saying? Because you got yourself. You know, everything outside of that really ain't important. It's just, you know, we've got these these senses that, you know, instead we have people around us that have senses. So that collective agreement that we have right now is based on you know, opportunities who have uh, opened up these thoughts in our brain that we need or, or basically that we want certain things, and they are not necessary. And they definitely aren't natural, but it's normal right now. So why are we in this state right now? Why or what's the perp what is really taking place? What happened from then to now that has exhausted us of our natural way of being? Me and one a good sister, um Micaiah, the queen of uh, Messiah of um, me and me and me, they uh had they had the radio blog with with first world order men back they're gonna get back on in a second but the um they was also on the interview with us we minutes back to trap the freedom joint trap the freedom 
but we was uh, had we were corresponding over the on the horn the other day, and she had mentioned that um, inside the United Washington, they demand more nation. We need to develop a rites of passage type of uh, initiation to where the younger generation can come up properly. Like, yeah, you know, that's something I've been, you know, we've been, yeah, we, we do need that, you know, because we, we speak on the rites of passage, and, you know, how, you know, from seven years old all the way to 13, 14, like they do in the Judaic um, type of religion where they had the bar mitzvahs and everything. Um, and all that where they uh, develop the, the mind state of the younger individual to do itself as they grow just by the time they're 13, 14, whatever, they're ready to go out to the community. So I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over the five major African, over the five major uh, ancient initiation rites. There are five major African initiation rites which are fundamental to human growth and development. These rites were originally established by our ancient African ancestors while they were living in order to link the individual through itself to the community and the community to the broader and more potent spiritual world, intelligence. Initiation rites are a natural and necessary part of a community as are arms and legs, natural and necessary extension of the human body. These rites are critical to individual and community development and should not be taken for granted the people automatically grow and develop into responsible community-oriented adults. The process of initiation concerns undergoing a fundamental set of rights to start a new phase or beginning in, in life. It marks the passing from one phase of life to the next more mature phase. Initiation fundamentally has to do with transformation and has been a central component of traditional African culture since time immemorial. The details of the rights vary among the different societies, but these rights are nevertheless basic components of the society as they help guide the person from one stage in life into the next stage of one's life and development, that is, from birth to death and beyond. The five rights are birth, adulthood, marriage, eldership, and ancestorship. A right is a fundamental act or a set of rituals performed according to prescribed social rules or customs. Each of these rights are a key component that are a part of traditional ancient cultures. Some societies have more elaborate and extensive ceremonies than others, but these five things are the thread that links families and villages in traditional Africa and provide the necessary structure for individual growth and development. The five rights briefly described below represent an integrated initiation system that has given indigenous ancient cultures the stability and longevity to provide a model of consistency and intergenerational unity. They represent a complete set of devices that prevent the inherent conflicts between various age groups with the systematic ill-treatment of women, children, or elders. These problems are commonplace in Western cultures. These problems are commonplace in Western cultures, but they are virtually unknown in, in indigenous African cultures. These African cultures were not perfect, as all human societies have problems, but they do provide a practical example in the modern world how to solve social conflicts and contradictions and give a human being the societal support to discover and fulfill their life mission and unique contribution. The first one, the right of birth. Within the right of birth, this is the first of the major ancient initiation rites, and it involves initiating the infant into the world through a ritual and naming ceremony. Nearly all ancient African indigenous cultures hold that the infant has come from the spirit world 
with important information from that world and is bringing unique talents and gifts to offer to the community. The infant, in fact, is believed to have commissioned to come to the world and accomplish a particular mission or project and often has a great message to deliver. Therefore, it is the responsibility of the family and community to discover the infant's unique mission through consultations with the diviner and to have rituals and a birth chart done. This is done clearly to determine, to determine the new community's member's mission in order to guide him or her through their life path. The infant's name is given after the determination of the mission, and it is a reflection of the infant's personality or the life mission itself. And um, also, you can get those birth charts done by Dr. Lehman and, and um, Chris Cadigo. Um, just go to the, their online site, drlehmanlbay.com. Uh, right of adulthood, the second right. The right of adulthood is the second major initiation right and it is nowadays the most popular among the sets of rights. Most people today assume that rights of passage only refers to initiation into adulthood. They are often not aware that adulthood rights are only one set of rights within a larger system of rights. Adulthood rights of ritual or rituals are usually done at the onset of puberty age, around 12 to 13 years of age in many cultures. And they are to ensure the shaping of productive, community-oriented, responsible adults. There is nothing automatic about youth being productive members of society, nor is there anything particularly difficult about transitioning from a child to an adult. This transition to adulthood is very tricky in Western societies because there are no systems of adult rights to systematically guide and direct a young person through this important stage in his or her life cycle. Again, this transition to adulthood is very tricky in Western societies because there are no systems of adulthood rights to systematically guide and direct the young person through this important stage in his or her life cycle. In Western culture, adulthood is seen as a status achieved at the age of 18 to 21 or simply when the person graduates from high school. Unfortunately, in most cases, there is no fundamental guidance or transformation from a child to an adult that is required or expected. This leads it to this leads it to chance approach. This leads it to chance approach to adulthood development is the root of most teenage and youth adulthood uh, confusion, chaos, and, and uncertainty. When the youth reaches a certain age, somehow they are expected to magically <laughs> transform into an adult even though they often receive very little guidance. On the other hand, in, in African indigenous societies, systematically initiate, on the other hand, indigenous African societies systematically initiate boys and girls. They often take the young initiates out of the community and away from the concerns of everyday life to teach them all the ways of adulthood, including the rules and taboos of the society, moral instruction, and social responsibility and further classification of his or her mission of calling and life. The third right, the right of marriage. The right of marriage um, is the third major initiation right, and it represents not only the joining of two families, but also the joining of the two missions of the new couple. In other words, the marriage rights are performed for not only the coming together of male and females to procreate and perpetrate and perpetrate, oh, and perpetuate life, my bad, uh, <laughs> and again, in other words, the marriage rights are performed for not only the coming together of male and females to procreate and perpetuate life and the coming together of families, 
is also an institution that helps both the husband and wife to best fulfill their mission and objectives in life. Unfortunately, again, in Western society, a vast number of marriages fail as they are often based upon the couple falling in love and thereby entering the relationship in an unbalanced state. Individuals often fall in love quick and fall out of love just as quickly as soon as they recover from the emotional love at first sight syndrome. In African society, in the African indigenous society, on the other hand, does not emphasize individual looks and lust as the primary motivation for marriage, but rather the basic focus is on building families and communities. The focus is on the collective more than the individual. The person is not generally considered an adult until they have married and had children. The rights of eldership. The rights of eldership is the fourth major initiation right, and it is an important component of the initiation system because it, because it is the elders who represent tradition and the wisdom of the past. In African culture, there is a fundamental distinction that has to be made between an elder and an older person. An older person has simply lived a long life, a longer life than most people, but is not considered one who deserves high praise and respect. This is because the older person's life has not been a positive example for the community. An older person could be a thief or a drunkard, an elf, an evil person, or could be someone who never married and had children. And thus, these examples would certainly prevent a person from being considered a respected elder. An elder, on the other hand, is someone who is given the highest status in indigenous cultures because he or she has lived a life of purpose. There is nothing more respected than living a purposeful life. The life of an elder is centered in the best tradition of the community and is someone who has gone through all of these, the previous three rites and is living a model for the other groups in society to emulate. To emulate. An elder is given the high status and along with new infants. The elder is given the high status and along with new infants because these two groups represent the closest links to the wisdom of the spirit world. So I have to uh, reiterate on what I was saying about the elderly women that were older women. Not elders. My bad. Point yourself on that. All right. So the um the last of the five major rights is the right of ancestorship, which concerns passing over into the spirit world. This final initiation right is an extension of the elder older distinction because the status that a person has in life is the same status that they bring with them when they pass on. There is virtually no African society that believes that when a person dies, this ends all ties and communication with the living. Rather, in indigenous African philosophy, from one culture to another agrees that the spirit of the deceased is still with the living community and that a distinction must be made in the status of the various spirits and that there are distinctions made in the status of living. That's like the older and the elder, you know what I'm saying? One of the most important distinctions is the difference between an older person who dies and who is seen as nothing more than a dead relative and a respected elder who passes on and is revered as an honored ancestor. The dead relative dies without honor is someone who is not remembered remembered as a great person, but someone who should be followed or emulated. On the other hand, a respected elder who passes on becomes a respected ancestor and is given the highest honor. These groups of ancestors wield great power and are often called upon in matters of trouble or uncertainty to help influence a favorable outcome. Thus, ancestors are respected elders who have passed away and who continue to serve as an extension of the family and community. 
right, so these are going to be the practical applications. Give thanks to uh, Brother, hold on, hold check, um, Professor Manu Ampin. It's Manu, M-A-N-U-A-M-P-I-M. He put this together, Professor Manu Ampin. So this is the practical application right here. I mean, I'm just throwing it out to this, but this is, is what is missing. Is one of the key elements, the, um, the rights of uh, initiation, you know what I'm saying, into our higher selves and a higher way of being and thinking. All right, so the above general outline of the indigenous initiation rights is the summary um, of the complete system of rights that have enormous implications for indigenous communities in various parts of the diaspora. These communities are struggling to find solid and lasting solutions to long-standing problems, resulting from centuries of slavery and colonialism. The solution to these deep-rooted problems is to learn and apply the fundamental philosophies and principles that have created harmonious, traditional, indigenous societies. The five major initiation rights can be implemented in any indigenous community that seeks to find solutions to the problem of a large number of people in the community who lack direction and purpose who lack a commitment to build and develop the community. The fact is that in order to produce a society that is focused on the best interests of the community requires a broad-based system that is designed to produce community-oriented, responsible adults. A few practical suggestions include the following. Right of birth. A birth chart should be made for each infant or young person in each family. This is necessary in order to determine their personality, talents, and gifts. If this chart is done before the new baby is given a name, and the name will always remind the person of what their mission is in life whenever his or her name is called. When a person's name reflects their life's purpose, then this is a powerful tool to help keep the person focused on their life's work. Right of adulthood. The adulthood rights have to be seen in a larger context. Most programs are well-meaning, but the problem is often that the mentors of the numerous adulthood rights for passage programs have not been initiated themselves. It is obvious that one cannot teach what one has not been taught. The African proverb is that one who learns teaches. The solution to this contradiction is for there to be more focus on programs or organizations for men and women to deal with their own issues of, of a lack of self-development and a lack of peaceful life so that they could be better examples for the youth. In other words, the principles that are taught must be applied to the lives of mentors and adults Otherwise, the programs have no credibility or long-term effectiveness. So basically, if you experience what we are taught or what we, the knowledge that we have, you know, remember, knowing is half the battle. We have to go out and actually activate that knowledge and experience it in order to teach uh, or in order for the adult to be able to go into um, adulthood or, or the, you know what I'm saying, the, right of birth and the right of adulthood to go into that path. You need to be able to experience certain things. In other words, the principles that are taught must be applied to the lives of mentors and adults. Otherwise, the program has no credibility or long-term protections. All right, so the third, right of marriage. The solution to the epidemic of serial marriages for many individuated dual cells marry and divorce multiple times during the course of their life is to change the approach from off-balance individuals falling in love to the more balanced, stable approach of culturally centered families forming a mutual bond. The problem for many black people is that they 
uh, the problem for many melanated people is that they often adopt antisocial Western ideas and thus see in-laws as their opponents. The more marriages were formed between individuals that have both been through that have both been through the birth and adulthood rights, the more unions will work because both individuals will have a clear focus in life and will also know how to best support the other's partners, the other partner's mission. They will be marrying the person in their mission, not their looks. Rights of eldership. Every indigenous community should establish a council of elders to help guide a particular community. There are a number of examples of African societies governed by elders because of their collective and accumulative wisdom. This is an important philosophy that should be adopted because the council of elders could be consulted in a variety of matters, ranging from family or marriage disputes, community-wide issues, naming of buildings and community centers, and directing resources to supporting important projects. The guidelines of choosing the council members should be clearly established and members chosen by vote. Within the council of elders, most um, Indigenous communities will remain disorganized. Without a council of elders, most indigenous communities will remain disorganized and lacking direction and effective leadership. A right of ancestorship. Every indigenous community that establishes a governing council of elders should also choose a group of local and national ancestors whose life represents a purpose focusing on helping in some way to build and develop the community. This local group of honorable ancestors should be chosen to be remembered because of their great example and contributions, and thus their life should be honored. Too often when ancestors are remembered during community ceremonies, a distinction is not made between respected ancestors and dead relatives. Or another problem is that many times famous ancestors are remembered, the local ancestors are overlooked during these ceremonies. Every healthy community must have local heroes. Give thanks. So those are the five rights of initiation. You know, go back over the titles of them again. The first right, the five major indigenous um, initiation rights. First right is birth, second adulthood, then marriage, eldership, and then ancestorship. So birth, adulthood, marriage. Eldership and ancestorship. It was really something to look at into as as far as uh you know, topic is, is you know, when I was a child. We when I was a child we of course, you know, in the Western society we don't have any type of initiation systems as far as being able to have a systematic way of becoming who we are naturally. We have all these external um normal activities that we participate with. You know, I'm going to be a football player, I'm going to be a rapper, you know, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to work at Burger King. You know, so we have all these uh, different um, external activities that we participate with that are not necessarily who we are naturally. It's normal. It might be necessary because we got these bills now that we got to pay. You know what I'm saying? So this, these are just practical suggestions. So, you know, basically, we do need to put something together. And the sister had said that, and I was like, wow, that's that's on point. You know, I I, I didn't mention on the, on the horn at that moment, but I was like, man, I got that right here. You know, and I was, I'd already, you know, that day I had to start piecing that together for this um, topic. When I was a child, I had the thought on mine. I just had and sat down and started writing. 
you know, putting anything or putting any other notes as you know, put together previously. I had put anything on paper and all that, but I get thanks, you know what I'm saying, for that thought in mind. And uh, no, 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 you know, basically, to know yesterday is to build a better tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? So to know certain activities and certain functions and processes that we went through yesterday is to build a better tomorrow. Now, to do the same thing over, nah, I ain't saying that. But we're supposed to be doing it better, you know what I'm saying, basically. So certain activities may be required for us to do it better because we ain't, it seems like we're getting caught up on some external stuff, but we're watching too much. We're sitting down watching, sitting down. You know, I, I, I might spend, this is just, I'm just go for me because I know me. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I have knowledge myself, so through the experience, I'm, I'm speaking on wisdom. You know, I'm speaking wisdom of what I've, I've learned. I might sit down throughout the day Besides laying in the car, you know, as far as that's how I'm going to bed or whatever, I might sleep four hours, you know, on average. Though, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, about three to four and a half hours of sleep. But basically, I'm on my feet um, at least 14 hours, 16 hours a day. And that's not just at work, but that's, um, you know, I'm out and about. I'm in and out the door, in and out, in and out. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's intentional, yet at the same time, you know, I got things to take care of people that, you know, look for me and stuff, and it's cool, though. You know, I'm attempting to take care of myself as much as possible to where I can um, be able to uh, assist others, you know what I'm saying? First yourself, then, then the source. So, you know, in, in one of the four... Um, Affirmations within the movement of the four directions as we inside of Shindao energy arts um, is uh, patience. You know, as we as we bow to that that direction, we say patience. I'll put the needs of others before my own. So, being patient with yourself and with others, you know what I'm saying, and putting those needs first. After you take care of yourself, because you got to take care of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, and uh, spiritually. So that's that patience. You know, so you be patient with yourself, take care of yourself. Then you go out, you go out there and you take, you, you know, you put those other things to the side that we say we won't need, whatever it may be, those desires, and we take care of uh, help other people, assist other people. And then we go back and you know, put those pieces back together too, whatever it may be. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, we're sitting down a lot, and that's not helping out a lot. Got to get out there and be active. You know, use that that fire energy. Use that that masculine energy. All of us, them females to you know, use your goddesses to you know, use that masculine energy to get what we have in store for ourselves already. We was already there. Because we do have to have some type of movement and and play and play. You know, and perfect planning prevents performance. So as we are developing into who we are already, you know what I'm saying, basically we do have to, um, you know, look at the bridge that we've crossed. You know what I'm saying? We can't burn those bridges. You know, that's DNA. So some of those memory imprints are very uh, 
important. So we are approaching the autumn equinox, and we're going into um, into uh, autumn here on the twenty third, tomorrow actually, well, no, the twenty second. It will be Thursday. The name equinox is derived from the Latin word um, aquas, meaning equal and nox, night. So it's day and night. That's when the day and night are equal in length, and um, and it can be intuitively concerned as the union of the opposites, the union of masculine and feminine energies. So that's the union of day and night, the inner and outer melanin, above, below. It's the mother-father principles. You know, that's the effector and the receptor. It's the lights, the smooth earth, you know, the, the water and the lights. So these cosmic codes are held within our blueprint of DNA. It is infinitely and essentially all that we are. The sacred experience of being photonic etheric organisms awakening within us is now within all of creation. It is created perfectly and illustrating itself perfectly. Know within yourself that all is perfect. The dignity of this completeness is unspeakable. There are truly no words to express the glory of this cosmic transference of energy. You are actuality. You are the immortal body of photonic etheric essence, bonding and responding as these codes awaken deeply within your DNA, the cosmic photonic etheric essence attracting the immortal body of the hidden light now. So breathe in deeply the step-down codes of cosmic, galactic, and solaric intelligence to receive the growth within your awareness. As Bruce Lee stated, absorb what is useful, disregard everything else. Again, as Bruce Lee stated, absorb what is useful, disregard everything else. It is being oneself. It is reality in its isness. Freedom in its primary sense. Not limited by attachments, confinements, partializations, complexities. It is a way of life, a movement toward willpower and control. Enlightened by intuition. Get thanks. So we're going to head out right here on that note. Um, so when I was a child, you know, speaking as a child, thought as a child, but when, you know, the perfect has come, we're not, you know, we have the mind, the perfect mind. You know, it ain't going to be perfect outside, like you talk about. But when you become a man, when you become the mind, the perfect mind, we set aside those childish ways, and then the reflection that we see now in the mirror does not reflect sensual gratifications of what we call the, our complex of the reptilian brain. We have shed those skins, and we have new skins, new neocortex, and we're now able to fly through the matrix at will and do what we need to do in order to build and destroy it as well. Because we do have to take away the old skin in order to build the new skin, the new city, or Jerusalem, also Zion, you know, Jerusalem, the city of peace. All right, so with that said, go ahead and close out. Um, I think we touched around on everything, you know, between, you know, yeah, we went through it all. Uh, make sure but even if not you know 
It's all good. Hopefully we'll see you at the um the Automo Equinox Melanated event from the twenty third until the twenty fifth, uh, starting out Friday, all the way up to Sunday. Gonna be some good things going on, you know, come through meet three, get it in for the, the next couple of days, learn some things, you know, take it back to the fam. Let's build this nation, you know what I'm saying? All right. Okay, so uh mm-hmm. Close out with a couple of tracks. Got a couple of minutes. Part right, so Put the brothers up here. All right, so you know, peace, prosperity, protection, and good health. And um, see you on the next. See you on the flip. I may not be here next weekend. You know, I'm doing the one weekend, one week off. Um. You know, just yeah, staying busy, you know. It ain't like I'm just sitting down, you know. You know what it is. All right, so um, get back with you in a couple of couple of peace, prosperity, protection, and good health. All right. Peace to the gods. You already know, man. Yo, yo, yo. Bohemian wizardry, you fraud them thieves. Be killing me, the enemy is close. We both lies on our identity. I feel like he who steps, architect like M. Hotel. Son had the son himself, the guard deadly with the art. I fit dark with a slit heart. You can feel it in your bone marrow before the shit starts. Standing in the cold with a scroll that was written in gold. Behold the old glimpse that was never untold. Infinite like the eight, seven dwelling in your melon. No felon, though the unrighteous say that I'm rebellious. I'm primal, my rhyme suicidal. I worship no idols. My style, a load of gems going down in a spiral. When you stuck in your root, my intelligence passed my cool The God is the truth, every time I step in the booth You stepped on the stoop, got scooped to swooped in my loop Do the knowledge, whack them seeds, get played like flu You wish the son of a saw, a gift from the gods Who rules flying through the sky with golden wings Submerged into the light, naughty by the golden king With the scepter of justice, melanin cultivating she Until we are Ethereans, finally becoming one With the righteous sun, so law, souls are raw Magnificent glow, with unconditional love Scattered rays for days from the heavens above So below, the souls, just trapped in the lowest depths of hell Incarnated into 76 trillion cells To break free, we must be refined Masculine and feminine properties combined The devil is the author of confusion 183,000 divisions Denomination sets post schisms and isms. Though isn't it written in the Bible that you spoke in parables? The scriptures and gospels aren't just historical. Many passages weren't meant to be taken literal. Most of it is allegorical based on esoteric principles. Baptist versus Methodist, Pentecostal holiness versus Jehovah Witness, Mormons versus Seven Day Advances, skeptics, atheists, and agnostics, divine and cosmic tactics of the reptilians, lower fourth dimensional aliens. So beware of the draconian Satanists. Though they aim to imprison all true beings through ignorance. So we crush the head of Leviathan. Battle mind control. Suggestions, brainwashing, indoctrination, using religious politics, education, economics, health and labor, entertainment and war, no sex and law. In this chessboard game called like we've all been pawns. Puppets on strings controlled by demonic spawns. You can't run with the devil and walk with God. You can't run with the devil and walk with God. You can't run with the devil and walk with God. You can't run with the devil and walk with God. You can't run with the devil and walk with God. You can't run with the devil and walk with God. You can't run with the devil and walk with God.
Peace. 